0: Episode 117. Yes, episode Hot shots, Episode Dave Craig, if we were doing the 17 again, maybe. the best. Stopping the one? Well, yeah, you know, of course you have to. Dave yes. Craig's the best 17 of all time? <laughs> no, he's the only one I could think of.
1: <laughs> By the way, are you excited that there's another You know one? who else was 17? <laughs> Doug Williams was 17. And the reason I bring him up is because of the famous or infamous question that Urban Myth has it was asked of him at the Super Bowl. Yeah. I've, I How exactly. long have you been a black quarterback? That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
2: Uh. I don't know that that
1: question was ever asked, though. People think that question was asked, but I'm not sure that question was ever asked. There's no proof of it, you're saying? No, hmm. I don't know. You'd have to ask Doug Williams, Yeah, but I don't think so.
0: Well, it's pretty damn funny. I don't, funny th- I don't someone...
1: think it. People have been saying that for years.
0: Yeah, it's I actually... it an urban myth. There's a 30 for 30 or there's a football life or whatever yeah. about him I watched, and I heard that. I was like, that, yeah. really? Somebody asked that? But I was going to ask how you're doing because there's another lockdown, as you know, in our state. The yeah. um, Seahawks aren't great. Uh, People are beating the crap out of each other in Washington, D.C., in the streets for some reason, and, uh, and TP is out all over again. Yeah,
1: my <laughs> wife went to Costco oh, on Sunday what a and said it was like. What is she doing? Is she, she was lucky to get out with her life. I, I know I, she's a maniac. Even I would the never go. even the 112 year old man at the front <laughs> was was wearing a helmet. <laughs> oh, <God>. No <laughs>
0: battle gear. Are, are we
1: back to no toilet paper? Really? I get, a,
0: I get a call at halftime from my wife, who's at Bartel Drugs at the. the uh, from, oh, she says y- you got to come up here. Because they're only allowing one per customer. <laughs> it's like I'm watching the game. I got a blanket on me. I'm just, one what? One one thing of
1: toilet paper. One a four, thing pack. Of to- oh, four pack. A four pack. Oh come on! They could at least allow an eight pack. Uh, well, they don't. Ha- or a sixteen pack. Oh you're, like a oh, you're acting like there was a choice to choose from. My wife said they were throwing haymakers in the toilet paper department at <laughs> Costco. I there were rhubarbs.
0: <laughs> I believe it. Oh god. But what is We laugh
1: because we we can't cry. That's we're right. Not cry. Yeah
0: yeah. But what is it with toilet paper? The minute those restrictions get. Toilet paper. Boom, toilet paper. Ah, Did they ever think this would fall into their lap, the toilet paper companies? I mean, 2020, (laughs) everyone who's on the board of Charmin could just retire after this year, right? Mr. Mr. Whipple? Whipple? Is it
1: Whippley? Whipple?
0: Maybe. Yeah. Don't squeeze? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Whipple, I think. Boy, he's making a fortune, Mr. Whipple. Loaded. Loaded. (laughs) Yes. I mean, gosh.
1: Uh, Episode 117. I don't know what you want to call it. D- episode Dave Craig? Really, no, just, we're going to go there? Steve Deberg, perhaps? Oh, stop. <laughs> that's all stop. I got. <laughs> and why are we going back to that? Uh, we're not. I just heard what seventeen. Happened? Because heard you it. heard seventeen, you got excited. Well, it was back. You got a little excited when the
0: Seahawks had a good quarterback. I like to think back to those times. Remember when they had a good quarterback on their team? So that's why it was in my head.
1: <laughs> Did you just sniff? <laughs>
0: <clears throat> Boy, is Russell getting crushed?
1: <laughs> Woo! Well, yeah. Poor guy. Are we going there right now? No, we're not. The tease. We we're haven't not. even started yet. Yeah, we're not. Go ahead. We can't go there right now. No. It's too much to we say. We can't talk about the third place Seattle Seahawks in the <laughs> NFC West, can we? We can't talk about the team that's a game away from being eliminated
0: in the <laughs> NFC playoffs, can we? Sorry, were they the number 1 seed?
1: They're the 7th seed now.
0: Oh man. <laughs> After 1 game, 1 week of football. Uh, we don't want to
1: talk about <laughs> that. Okay, fine. We fine. don't want Mr. postseason to come right out of the gate. Should we Should we allow, allow Mr. playoffs, Mr. postseason to do his podcast later in the week yeah. and stay away from the fact that they that there's only one team behind him in the NFC West now? Yeah, and week. Did that change pretty quickly or not? Uh, yeah. A couple of games? Yeah. And should we should we talk about Thursday night? Is, Thursday, is it going to be any better on Thursday? Did you see the play? Yeah. Was that – who made the better – I guess Hopkins made the better play. But that was a – everybody's talking about the Hopkins catch the Hail Mary for the Cardinals to yeah. beat the Bills, which made certain people very unhappy like Seahawks fans – but made others very happy like AFC East fans. True,
0: yes. Uh, we want or, to see. or those who had uh, the Cardinals and right. beat, beat the boys.
1: <laughs> We're hand both raising is. our hands. <laughs> I, I got a chance to go 3-0. and oh. As do I. See, we keep picking the same games I know, again. but if it goes 6-0. How do we, do we never disagree on anything? Do you and I always agree on everything? Feels pretty, well, I don't know who you have in
0: the third game. I got Minnesota. Oh, I got Chicago. Oh, so okay. It's a, so it's, one of
1: us is going three and zero. That's right. That's not bad. First
0: time all year, I think. Actually, sadly, oh, I,
1: know, I I just, I just was thinking of the Cardinals play on Sunday. You saw the Cardinal. Everybody's talking about how Hopkins went up. Was he in the middle of like three or four defenders, and he comes down with that ball? He sure was. One of the greatest catches you will ever yep. see. But how about the play? Underrated, the play by Kyler Murray just to get that ball off, yeah. going to his left, and and throw it in a in a way that it was. It was where it had to be in right. the end zone, right? It could have been overthrown. It could have been underthrown. It could have been to the right. It could have been. He was, he was scrambling for his life I'm going sure to his left, and he, he turns it. <laughs> he puts the ball exactly where God. he needs to put it, right? It feels like
0: maybe it's just that type of season for the Cardinals, doesn't it? Maybe it's just that time, type, type, type of season, yeah. By the yeah. way,
1: what are we doing about Mitch Unfiltered?
0: It's a great question. I leave it up to the executive
1: producer, Steve. Yeah, you didn't didn't, didn't jump into the fray on that. I'm
0: I'm here. We had
1: discussions, text discussions, and you just... I sent a thumb. You just wiped your (laughs) hand. That's all I said. I'm in. Put your thumb right up your ass. Normally, I do. I think (laughs) the decision is we're going to hold 117P for the patrons instead of doing it on... Wednesday. Instead of dropping it on Thursday morning. Right, yeah, yeah. With a whole full show... We're going to wait, and we're going to actually drop it late night Thursday night after the game is over, and we're only going to do you and me talking about just. we're just going to do one segment. Anything that's going on. We're not going to do guests, in other words. It'll be just after the Seahawks finish with the Cardinals, and then anything else that's on our mind. No guests, just you and me, one solid segment that is episode 117P. And then on the following Monday, we'll do all the things that we normally do. So, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So on that
0: Thursday or that show that drops late Thursday. It'll
1: it'll drop as soon as we can after the f- conclusion 7:30 of a 6 and either a 7 and 3 Seahawks team <laughs> you know. or a 6 and 4 Seahawks team. What time is uh 5:30 or 5:20? I'm, I'm assuming it's like 5, 5.20, yeah. something like All that.
0: All right. So we'll be it'll be posted by 7:30. Yeah. Right around there when the game's over? When it's done at halftime? Come on. I'm laughing to not cry. That was Come a bummer on. game. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Bummer game. Got a lot of thoughts uh, for you. I'm sure you do as well. God. By the, So it's just going to be Seahawks then, mostly Thursday night. No, we're
1: just going to we're going to shoot the shit. You and okay. I are going to shoot the shit on Thursday night after the Seahawks game. We'll talk Seahawks if it's if it's worth to talk a bunch of Seahawks. We will. It'll be after the game. Anything else that's on our mind? We'll okay. kind of just do a big chunk segment without guests. Gotcha. Okay. And we're not going to radically produce the 117P because on Monday then we'll be dropping a show after the Seahawks don't play. On Sunday, because they're playing on Thursday. Oh, right, yeah. And we'll do a big elaborate show then. Gotcha. Does that make sense? It does, yes. But we also have to do the Mr. Play. We have to release on Thursday the tale of the tape for the Thursday, or or on Wednesday the tale of the tape for the Thursday night game, because the tale of the tape doesn't lie. Apparently not. It didn't lie this week. It didn't like. Do you remember the tail of the tape this week? You're looking at me like with a blank look.
0: I remember that the the Rams offense was kind of down the middle, though. It was a blowout. Yeah. The Rams over the
1: Seahawks. Oh, right. In the tail of the the tape. Yeah. The Rams defense beat up on the Seahawks offense on tail of the tape. I was thinking, what percent of Rams
0: possessions end up in points as i was watching the first three possessions for
1: the rams i'm like okay, oh, okay. you you are taking me down <laughs> a, a road i don't want to get to until we start Got the you. show all right all right okay was... because the next thing you're going to tell me is you're going to irritate me by telling me oh the seahawks defense played much better on sunday it was the offense's fault which the second half of it is probably right but please i, I please okay sorry. promise me <laughs> 'Cause there's a lot of people, a lot of Seahawks fans out there going, Yeah, oh, that's. held them to twenty three held them to what did they held them to? 23. Twenty three. Twenty-three? No, twenty-seven? Twenty six was it twenty-three sixteen. Twenty-three. Yes, held man. them to twenty. Oh, hey, they played much better. In this. Hey, 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 the defense. <laughs> can't play, can't point your finger at the defense this week. I don't want to hear that. Okay. okay. Fine. You're not going to get that okay. from me. <laughs> play defense when the game is on the line. Yeah. Play defense when the game is play defense at the beginning of a game. Uh, You want me to give credit to the Seahawks defense after they allow 17 points in the first three possessions and an 88-yard touchdown drive to begin the second half after Pete Carroll doesn't go for it on fourth You really want me to sit here and say, oh, yeah, the Seahawks defense is much better. This is not about the Seahawks. Come on. Come on. Is this you? Cut that out. Is this you not going down that path right now? We're not going down that path right now. I just want to make sure. We're not going down that path right right now. (laughs) Subscribe, listen anywhere the podcasts are found. The meds kicked in. (laughs) Become a Mitch Unfiltered patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. 116P was fun. Yes. Did you hear Jewel Lloyd? I did. I was hopeful that you would listen to Jewel Lloyd. It was my first time chatting with the Storm. Well, she's not the Storm. She's one of the stars, right? They the, the, have the big three. What yeah. do they got? The yeah, she'd four? be the star on
0: most teams, but yeah. it, when you have number Brianna one Stewart. overall
1: pick out of Notre Dame, right? Not, not too shabby, huh? Yeah. And two time battle All-Star. with dyslexia. Told the story about Kobe Bryant and a relationship with Kobe Bryant. I didn't know Kobe any of that. I didn't yeah. know any of that. That was Very really cool, inspirational, and, yep. I, and we left it unlocked. By the way, for the people that are not Mitch Unfiltered patrons, oh. patrons it was unlocked for anybody to listen to. Oh, great! So, it, so if you're like a non paid, you're like, I am not paying five dollars <laughs> for that shit, right? Okay, <laughs> for for some. That I can, I mean, I can listen to the guys on ESPN 710 for free, even though they're firing them all. I can can listen to that for free. I can listen to KJR for free. Why would I pay five bucks to listen to your nonsense? I get it. I get it. Sure. For those of you that are like that, all you had to do was go to patreon.com backslash Michie the Kid. I don't know if people will remember that. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com, backslash Michie the Kid. Yeah. And that show was unlocked because I thought. We're doing all this patron content. We do four shows. We do Mister Postseason. We do Tail of the Tape. Yep. We do the P shows. We do the. Uh, Seahawks No Table, which is a great show. We do the fantasy football. We're doing all. So I, I figured I'd leave that one open because she was on it. Because guess that's a special homage to Jewel Lloyd because I like that interview. Well, it's nice of you. I enjoyed doing the interview.
0: You'll be happy to know somebody from 710 who no longer works there did reach out to ask me about the podcasting world a little bit. Oh, already? <laughs> already, yeah. They just got. They, 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 <laughs> I know. They're already looking at the podcasting world. Really? Potentially. Yeah.
1: Invite them on. Are they allowed to come on?
0: Well, who's going to show no? John Clayton called you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you who it was but it was one of them who no longer works there anymore okay. yeah yeah but if we could I guess we could have him on if you want the person I'm talking well we could yeah. talk off there about it. Yeah. it it might be kind of fun
1: yeah I felt bad to hear that news it's, that's radio news for you huh? we, we've all been there I mean
0: who hasn't been fired from radio
1: I have. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah. Uh, My hand's in the air. Like Howard Stern said, radio's like the mafia. You know you're going to get whacked. You just don't know when. (laughs) It's so true, right? Everyone gets fired, and you don't know when you get Well, I
1: feel badly. (laughs) Yes, everybody gets fired in radio, but I feel badly for those guys because it felt like, I don't know their situation over at Cairo or ESPN 710 or KJR. I'm out of that loop now. I'm out of that racket. So um, I'm far removed, but it felt like a covid just a tough time in the radio world, yeah. advertising dollars, and bi- it's, it felt like more of a business decision than anything else. For sure. And so that that makes my heart ache the three a little that, bit. The three a that little bit.
0: got let, got let go, where you know the the program director said they're all great guys. It's hard to do this, so there was yeah, it's all just business. Just yeah, they live you know you live and die with your advertisers, so you and just, if that's down, yeah. then
1: see that's different than when you get canned. It's it's, oh. it's all talent.
0: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's all talent. Yep. We can do way better with. Whoever took my place. Right,
1: Mitchunfiltered.com to become a patron. We'd love to have you. We do all this, all these shows each week. Uh, special shows, bonus content in between the the Monday uh, releases. We've got the beat the boys contest. You said you have a chance to go three and zero. I've got a chance. I guess one of us is going to go three and zero. You are correct. Unless there's a tie.
0: Yeah, imagine that. Finally have a chance to go 3-0. and
1: Beat the Boys is presented by Fireside Home Solutions. I'm really appreciative and, and, and really indebted to them, to John and the and the group, firesidehomesolutions.com if you're in the market for a new uh, fireplace. I've got to uh, release the, the, the games for upcoming weekend number 11 and the code word, right? Yep. The games are if you are competing in the Beat the Boys competition and everybody's beating us, which sucks, but we're going to hopefully go 3-0 this week. Uh, the games are next week, or this coming week, the Packers and the Colts. Okay. Packers at Colts. Thought Interesting. The, thought the Jags were going to help us out against the Packers, but... Maybe you know, the Colts will help yeah, us out. Yeah, hopefully. Although, it may just not mean yeah, anything yeah, anymore. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the Bengals and the Redskins. Don't ask me why I picked this game. Okay. I picked the Bengals at the Redskins. you got to pick the winner of that game. And you got to pick the winner of the... I think it's the Monday night or next week, which is the Rams... At the Buccaneers, here's an interesting one for mm. you because the Rams play the Bucks, but the Seahawks don't play the Bucks, and that's because the Rams and Bucks finished in the same place in their standings. So that's the game. That's one of the two. Gotcha. Where you put, like the Seahawks played the Falcons of that division, the Rams have to play the Bucks of that division, the 49ers on Sunday played the Saints of that division. So ah. that's the so it's it's that's one of the two that the Seahawks so the Rams and the Buccaneers on uh, I believe Monday night will be uh, game number 3 of the Beat the Boys competition. Boy, the Bucks looked pissed off after losing last
0: week. They really took it out on the Panthers. <laughs> it dropped a lot.
1: Well, them. it looked, yeah, it was dicey <laughs> in the first half. The Panthers oh, was were right it? there, and then Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. But, yeah, the Buccaneers, you know, did what they had to do. Yep. Unlike some teams. Um, code word. You want code word? Scott. Really? Yeah. My homage to you. Well, you had Norton last time, so I don't know what this means. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if it's good or bad. <laughs> well, I figured that if I said Norton last week, maybe that will be kind of the reverse reversal and yeah. he'll come alive. Yeah. And if you ask Seahawks, oh, the defense played much better.
0: <laughs> I love the pictures of you sending out his expression on, t- on Twitter. He just looks like, what the hell is going on right now? I know. Ugh.
1: So the code word is Scott. Love it. Two T's. Two T's. Not to be confused with the no hot t-shirt. shot. Just yeah. Scott. Yep. And then pick the three winners: Packers, Colts, Bengals, Redskins, Rams, Bucks. The guests on this show, well, you know two of them. You know Brady Henderson and Rick Neuheisel will be with us. Ken Green. Oh great. The former PGA, the outspoken former PGA tour winner played at Augusta National, was the guy who invented the skipping of the ball across the when they used to call him in and tell him never to do that again. They hated it when he did that. And now they love it. Everybody loves it and they celebrate (laughs) it. And John Rahm is skipping balls across and making holes in ones. It's like the biggest like the most impressive golf shot of the
0: year was that skip <laughs> three <laughs> skips and then in unbelievable beautiful yeah
1: uh ken green will react to dustin johnson's masters triumph and all the other things that happened at augusta national and a november masters right so we've got a lot to do on this episode 117
0: i actually took some notes on the masters if you'd like to discuss it at some point on the show <laughs> no well you know I didn't
1: even know that you knew what sport the Masters was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to look it
0: up. <laughs> I looked it up, and I found out it was golf, it turns out, yes.
1: All right, Brady Henderson, Rick Neuheisel, and Ken Green. So, hot shot! before we embark upon episode 117, a few words from our sponsors, our partners like Zeke's Pizza, soon to be 20 locations with three new ones on the way with the newly handed down COVID restrictions this week. Easier than ever to have Zeke's at your door in no time. Just download the Zeke's Pizza app, and then with a few clicks, bam, the Northwest's best selection of craft beer and Northwest-style pizza is at your door, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, obviously indoor dining is now again on hold, but remember a few things. One of the biggest days of the year for Daniel's has always been Thanksgiving, a fantastic full meal deal with all the trimmings, delivery or pickup so if you're not into the whole cooking process and cleaning process i urge you to consider Thanksgiving at home from Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. The Kirkland office at Gill Mortgage. Have any idea what a five- or seven-minute call with Jordan Flowers or his team could save you? Hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month. Rates are unimaginably low. You can pull out some cash, stay right where you are in the life of the loan. 30-year fixed rates are now on the high, two. So call today, 425-250-3150 and start saving money with the Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage. An Evergreen Golf Call. EvergreenGK.com. Learn what Tyler Hayes' team does. Also hear him on episode 117. Their newsletter is free. Lots of incredible opportunities to grow your money in the times of a pandemic. There are silver linings, and Evergreen Golf Call is there to identify them with you and for you, Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. This is episode 117, and it starts right now unfiltered congratulations are in order to Mariners outfielder Kyle Lewis saw that well, unanimous not just right. the AL rookie of the year unanimous AL rookie of the year and he only hit 262 which is funny cuz he was hitting about 350 360 the whole year and then just went in the tank in fact i'm going to go ahead and say as much as i like Kyle Lewis yeah. he has got to have had the worst ending to a unanimous rookie of the year <laughs> <laughs> unfiltered Le Lamar Jackson of your Baltimore Ravens has figured out what's ailing the offense of Baltimore. Okay. The other team knows his plays. Really? Yeah. He says he comes to the line and every, it seems like every down he comes to the line and the, and the defense yells, watch the run to the right. And he's like, oh "Oh my God, it's like over. And they're always right. Watch the play (laughs) action.
2: Mitch is unfiltered.
1: Episode 117, Hot Shot Scott. You brought up Phil Collins last episode I for did. some reason. He was accused of not showering and brushing his teeth by his ex-wife, something yes, like that? of smelling horribly. Sue, so, sue, so, sue so to you. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah? So you'll be happy to know I, I did an hour research on his discography to see how many hits he had. So oh, you did. So if at any point during the Seahawk discussion you'd like me to go to that, just <laughs> let me know. I'm ready to <laughs> I'm ready to do an hour on Phil Collins today, all right? Oh. <laughs> and I have an update on, on him smelling later on. So there you, you go. You do? Yeah. Been In the up- other stuff segment? Oh, there's been an update. He's On come him out. smelling? Yes. Oh. There's been an update. I don't know that I'm looking forward to well, that update. you're going to have to get it. But he's, uh, I kind of want to do like my own podcast, like a quick 30-minute one on him. He is prodigious, his hit-making ability. Hello. All right. Well, the don't, patrons has, are waiting. Who's going to care
1: besides me? There's got to be two or three. <laughs> <laughs> we'll <laughs> listen. I'll listen. People. Well, who are you going to talk to? The, well, I, was, I don't know. I haven't thought about it that you far. You to call <laughs> Philip Bailey.
0: Oh, well, I love that. That's, that's another big. Is he, he had, still
1: around, Philip Bailey? Sure, yeah. He's what was with, the name of that song?
0: Uh, easy Lover Easy Lover Yeah And Phil Collins You don't plays like drums that. on That's it.
1: probably a song You don't love Love that song
0: Oh you do? Love it But I told you Phil Collins I'm, I'm kind of hit and miss There's songs I can't stand Yeah give like, me one uh, Sing can't, it Can't Hurry Love See yeah. I don't know that one Yeah it's a remake Yeah You just have to wait Oh yeah Love don't oh, come yeah. easy what, What's wrong with that song? Uh, oh, I just think
1: it's weak know, I mean I, I
0: literally hate that song But then he has like In the Air Tonight Which I absolutely love So
1: See, I don't know. I, I don't know the differences. Either it's catchy or it's not catchy. What's What, what makes a good song?
0: I, I don't know. It's just my own personal... You know, Groovy Kind of Love sucks. Big hit. I hate it. You
1: because it was that? a big hit? Yeah, I know. I know From the movie, the movie I, know. I think... Yeah. Uh, I think he did a couple soundtracks, right? Phil Collins has done some, like... Some like animated soundtrack stuff.
0: No. Well, he did the song for Tarzan in like '99, okay. which was a pretty big hit. It was a yeah. top twenty hit, which means you hated it. Look at no, I actually kind of like that song. But look yeah. at we're getting into Phil Collins. I love it. He no, did a song for the movie style. called White Nights. I don't know if you ever saw the movie White Nights. And he also did uh, Against All Odds. Take a look at me now, which I think was in all the right moves. I love that say. song. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm ready to just to go to Phil Collins whenever you're ready. I got it. But I, I kind of want to do just a quick little podcast. So what do you think? Should I do that? Just give people some back. Just like you talking? I'm trying to think. Or are you going to have somebody to talk to you? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I can find someone who would know. Hmm. But he is, I mean, I'm telling you, he is. Just pretty, don't
1: alienate the patrons.
0: He's, they don't have to listen. <laughs> <laughs> no one's being tied down to listen to it. But his hit making ability, you forget he was with Genesis too. Oh, he had hits with Genesis. I mean, I'm talking like 10 number one. I mean, not 10, but, you know, number ones. He had hits by himself. It's pretty amazing. You would know 15 songs from him, I bet, if I played them for you, which I won't. But he's he's that, He. I mean, it's crazy from his solo
1: career or from the genesis i think from both from both
0: i mean uh, you can't hurry love against all odds studio easy lover one more night take me home don't lose my number and we're talking
1: all about this because he doesn't shower This is the reason why we're talking about. (laughs) He didn't die. (laughs) Normally, we talk about these people that die. Okay, we're talking about him because he doesn't shower. Yeah. Well, he was in my head. I was like, "Wow, so Collins. So, if you're out there and you want to be discussed on the Mitch Unfiltered podcast, don't shower. (laughs) And there's a good chance that we'll be talking about (laughs) you. That's right. (laughs) Seahawks lose 23 to 16. Russell Wilson, turning the ball over, left and right. Yeah. Throwing interceptions, dropping the ball. Uh, the, the offense couldn't get out of its own way. This game went exactly, when I tell you, except for the first Seahawks drive. Do you remember the first? It's too long ago. Do you remember the Seahawks' first drive? Yeah, it looked right good. down the field and scored a touchdown, and they led 7-3, to three and you're like, wow. At yeah. least I was like, wow, because I didn't think that the Seahawks were going to be able to handle the Rams' defense. I thought that this was a – except for that drive, this game – played out exactly the way i expected it to play out. Hmm. And i'm not trying to pat myself on the back because typically I'm, i don't know how they're going to play out. I think i know, but it never it never sure. works out. This game went exactly to form in my mind. That the Seahawks defense is just not good enough to stop anybody yeah. and that a at a mediocre or slightly above mediocre Rams offense would be able to score plenty on them and that the Seahawks offense that this was going to be a bad day for the Seahawks offense. Why because they've got no running game. Essentially, they've got no running game Fair. without Chris Carson and Carlos yep. Hyde. They've got a backup center, and they're going up against the Rams, who've got an all-world defensive lineman and a pretty good group of front four who don't need to blitz to get pressure on the quarterback. This just set up to me as playing out exactly the way it did. So I was, I, I was none surprised at Sunday's game. That doesn't leave me any less agitated, or angry that the Seahawks are now 6-3 and and have sunk through tiebreakers to third in the NFC West. I'm still annoyed about that, but the game went exactly as I thought it would. I need you to tell me
0: if I should expect this defense to turn around and get excited about number one seeds and playoffs, or is it not looking good for the rest of the season? Is this team just not going to be a good playoff team? Do they not have it in them to make a run in the playoffs? I don't know
1: that I understand the question.
0: Should I just stop having expectations that they're going to be number one? They're going to maybe go to the Super Bowl. They're going to be a good because it came out five and zero, and I'm like, all right,
1: good number one seed. This looks. But good. even when they were five and zero, we were talking about how bad their defense was. Yeah, they were winning games right. because their offense was superhuman, and their quarterback was the was the unanimous MVP award winner. Are we going to still talk about Russell Wilson in the MVP conversation? The guy who's never gotten a vote, I don't think would get a vote as of today for this year. <laughs> well, Maybe got, he yeah. would get some, but I, he he would as of today he would not win the MVP.
0: No, 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 no. He
1: Aaron Rodgers. I yeah. mean, there's a, Patrick Mahomes. He's there's last two, there's two or three or four guys that would win the MVP. He is no longer. Maybe we should. Maybe that's the kiss of death. Maybe we should just stop talking, even when he's hot. Ta- stop talking about Russell Wilson being the MVP.
0: Well, you remember I brought up to you that it felt like this. There was a lot of MVP talk last year at about the same time he started to fall off. He did. I, I've kind of noticed that with interceptions, too. Remember the first three games of the year. He had one interception, and it was that tipped one that shouldn't even have been off Greg Olson. That's right. Pick six. He should have essentially had zero interceptions in the first three games. Okay, he's had 10 in the next six.
1: 10 interceptions? No. Isn't that right? No, maybe 10 turnovers. I thought he had
0: eight going into the Rams game.
1: Does he have eight interceptions? Does he have 10 interceptions?
0: Well, you're making me second guess my work that well, I did for the show here, but let's have a look. You can take a look at that. That that strikes me as an eye number. Nonetheless, he's throwing more interceptions than he okay, ever well, has, okay. we, my, my point.
1: Everybody is talking about how Russell Wilson's last two or three weeks has been lousy and mm. that that they've turned the ball over. You can check to see if he's thrown 10 interceptions or whether it's 10 turnovers or whatever. I, I, think, I, I think before we just completely fall off the horse, the Russell Wilson horse, you've got you to take a little bit of a longer look at it, okay? Is he playing MVP-caliber football the last few weeks? No. Has he dropped off? Yes. Has he been not the same Russell Wilson? Yes. I get all that. But let's not go completely overboard on the turnovers and the interceptions, okay? He threw an interception a week or two ago where it was fourth down and he was circling back and he was 15 yards behind the play and he just threw the ball to try to make a play because it was fourth down. They were going to give the ball away. And yeah. That was an interception, yeah. right? Okay. He threw another interception that was a, you know, that was a, a crazy interception. Yes, he fu- uh, on, on Sunday against the Rams, he fumbled a snap, which was a turnover. Was it a good snap? No. No, you want to blame him completely on the snap, on the fumbled snap, if you want to. I guess you could, but it wasn't a very good snap, right? Um, on the on the sack and strips, yeah, he's lost the ball a few times. I'm look, I'm not a Russell Wilson apologist. I'm not sitting here telling you, no, 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 no. You're you're not seeing right. He's playing MVP. No, he's he slipped the last two or three weeks, yeah. but. I wouldn't go overboard on, oh, my God, he's just turning the ball over left and right, and their offense is shot. I believe their offense is going to be okay. Okay. It's going to be fine. Their offense is going to be okay Okay. and fine. They're going to get Posick back at some point. They're not going to play the Rams every week with a backup center. Hopefully, they're going to get Chris Carson back. They're going to start running the ball a little bit. Their wide receivers are great. They've got some tight ends. Their offensive line was playing Better than it played last year. Their offense is going to be okay. Was it good on Sunday? No. Was it the reason they lost? Everybody wants to say, oh, the defense wasn't the re-. Okay, you want to say the offense was the reason they lost? I might argue that point a little bit because I saw a defense that could not stop anybody yep. in the first three possessions against the Rams. They scored 17 straight points, right? But if you want to call this a game that the offense lost, fine. I think the offense will be fine. Okay. Yeah, and I'm not here to trade but Russell the de- Wilson. <laughs> but the defense, I, I don't know what makes us think the defense is ever going to be any better. Yeah, they didn't have their starting corners. They didn't have Griffin. Is he coming back? Is he going to be there on Thursday night? Probably that short week. Yeah. I would think that anybody who didn't play on Sunday would likely not play on Thursday either. They didn't have Quentin Dunbar. I don't know. They don't get a lot of a pass pressure unless they blitz. They can't really get home with four guys. Yep. I, I I just it's just tiring to be saying the same things over and over and over again. You want to give the Seahawks defense a little credit because because the Rams didn't score points on their last couple of 2-3 possessions. Okay. When they were running the ball trying to kill some clock. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Are we real? Is that really an indication that the Seahawks' defense played better because the Rams didn't score on their final couple of possessions? Were they really trying to score? Were they calling plays in those last few possessions the way they did at the beginning of the game? Didn't look like it. Okay. yeah. Of course not. The Rams were in a position where they had built a big lead. It was the fourth quarter of the game, and their coach is saying, hey – Our defense is controlling that offense. That offense cannot hurt our our defense. Let's not do something stupid on offense to to give them the game, to put them back in the game. So they totally dialed it down. Yeah, They totally dialed it
0: down. What do you think about the defense being so horrible that it's in Russell's head a little bit? In other words, he has to say, well, I better it's try to make a touch. that it everybody's touched. been talking about.
1: Everyone's been talking about that? Well, you, you've, you asked me about that last week after the Buffalo game.
0: How do you feel about it now? Do you, does it look like he's forcing stuff maybe because he knows, shit, I got to get a touchdown here. These guys can't stop anyone.
1: Unfortunately, I have, to, I have trouble going, going there. Okay. Because I don't view Russell Wilson. I view Russell Wilson as loving his teammates and thinking everybody's better than they are. So I don't even view Russell Wilson as the type of guy that's thinking, oh, I got to do it all because my, my defense stinks. Oh, okay. I, I don't even think that Russell Wilson is capable of looking at teammates and thinking they stink. Now, I may be wrong. This is my opinion. You know, the, the play that I can't get out of my head from Sunday is the play where he could run it for a first down yeah. and maybe a touchdown, and at the last second, you know, that, that's typically what he does. He, he, when he runs the ball, he fakes the throw to get the linebacker to jump up, and then he runs. That's yeah. what I thought he was doing there. And when he threw it, I was like, what? Yeah. And when the ball was in the air before I saw, I was like, okay, then the guy must be wide open if he's not, not going to run this. And then I see the defense come over and make an interception. I was like, I cannot believe that. I could, not, I could not believe that play. That, to me, looked like a play where he knows he can get the
0: first, but I, I got to get more here. I got to get more. I got to get a touchdown. That's what it looked but like But he to me. could have
1: scored a touchdown running there. Maybe. If there he was, made one guy mid. There was one yeah, guy in there between was one him guy. and the goal line. Yeah. You, so you thought that, okay, he's saying to himself, my defense can't stop anybody. I got to throw this ball in the end zone in the corner. Low percentage play. I don't know. I'm, okay, I'm wondering. You, okay, I don't know I, that to be I, true, but. I,
0: Maybe subconsciously he's thinking, I've I've watched this defense for eight and a half games. They can't stop anyone. Like, I have to be superhuman. i got to make shit happen. And he's forcing it a bit. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe subconsciously he thinks that. Obviously, he's not going to look at his teammates and say, you guys stink. You know, he's not that kind of guy. But maybe subconsciously he feels like he has to be Superman every game.
1: Pete Carroll... Yeah, Ken Norton, <laughs> do they look like they're searching for answers? Do they look, look, look the faces on them on the sidelines as they watch their, especially their defense play? I, I understand the offense didn't play well on Sunday. I get it. Yep. I got it. Um, does Ken Norton look like a, guy, a fountain of information like he's got answers? When they show him on the sidelines without a mask, he's going to get fined for that, by the way. I know. I kept thinking that. What's he doing? I, he's going to get fined for that. Do they? And then Pete Carroll on the first possession of the second half? Fourth down in inches? Oh, he stands by it. He stands by that. Okay, well, I, I'm not saying he doesn't stand by it, but when he made that decision, first of all, he has gone for it. He has gone for it in, on fourth and two and fourth and three in very similar situations. Fourth and four, they've gone for it. He decides he's going to punt the ball, so essentially he's showing more faith in his defense right there. Oh, yeah so let's see what the defense does when he decides to punt we'll pin him down we got a great punter if i hear one more thing about michael (laughs) dixon and how great he is and he is great right i know but who the hell (laughs) can you you could pin him at the at the one inch line and they will go 99 (laughs) yards and 11 inches for a touchdown does it really matter that we have a punter who can pin them I, I keep pulling my hair out. Oh, this Michael Dixon, he can really penalty. Oh, he's great of the at this. One best yeah. Even they oh. said it on Fox. Oh, he's great at this. Great. It'll take him 18 more yards to go to the, to go to the house and score. <laughs> right. And what did they do? What did the Rams do on that position? They drove down and scored. 14 plays, 88 yards. Yep. With very little kind of stress. Very easy. Did 14, feel easy. Very easy yeah. 14 play, 88-yard drive. Yep. But, but the defense was better. He said he he didn't want to
0: give them the ball at the forty yard line. That's like a turnover. He said he thought they were going to be all right. He
1: didn't want to give them the ball at the forty yard line. Yeah, yeah. He said it was. How how do we know we were going to give them the ball at the forty? It wasn't a fourth and it. Didn't we get a. Don't we get a play to see if we can keep the ball there in case they don't get it? Oh, in case they don't get it. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I figured he might say I want to put the ball in number three's hands. Although maybe he's going to say, oh, number three stinks now. So I don't want to put it in his hands anymore.
0: It is weird that he values the defense that he's seen for eight games. Let's pin him back over this offense that before the past couple of games has been arguably one of the best in the league. You can't
1: get a few inches. You're going to go with the defense instead. By the way, at the time uh, that he went with the defense, at the time that he decided to forego an opportunity on fourth down and pin the defense and pin the offense back yeah. at that time, that was the first possession in the second half. Think about the defense that he was putting trust into. How that defense had played in the first half, of course, up I mean, until that point. Right. That's right. That's what he's doing,
0: <laughs> putting faith in that defense <laughs> I over getting a few inches with one of the best
1: offenses in the league. They can't stop anybody. Does does not everybody in the Pacific Northwest get that? Whether whether they held him to punts in the last few possessions in the second half don't let it fool you into a false sense of security. The Seahawks cannot stop anybody when the game is on the line, when the, the chips are down, when it matters most, which is typically at the beginning of the game and at the end of a game that's close, either at the beginning of the game or an end of the game that's close. Look at the Buffalo Bills game. They could not stop Josh Allen. The Bills could have, if the Bills wanted to run up 700 yards against them, they could have. Okay. They built a huge lead. The defense can't stop anybody. Yeah. Let's get it through our heads. I'm with you on that. You okay? don't, that. I don't know why they can't stop anybody. I don't believe they don't have decent players. Yeah. I refuse to believe that, but the defense can't stop anybody. We've been pretty hard on Trey Flowers
0: and the thing I couldn't understand was the big cushions they were given against the Bills. Yeah. So I dialed in on Trey a little bit to kind of see yeah. he's playing bump and run. I loved it, man. And then he just gets burned. He just get, a guy makes a move and Trey spun around and he just he just got burned. I mean, I guess I guess maybe it's just a talent thing. That's all I can come up with. At the at the I don't know, I don't know because I thought well he's not giving him a cushion like he did against the Bills. Yeah, but he just he just got beat, just got beat by a better receiver, by a better player. So I don't know, I don't know what the answer is. But at least they're trying a little bump and run, but that didn't seem to work
1: either. I didn't see them blitz <laughs> as much as they normally blitz. That, that was interesting. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I'll get the numbers from Brady Henderson on this show. But it didn't seem like that they were blitzing like they did in the previous couple of games where they were getting home. They didn't seem to get a lot of pressure on on, on Goff. Did you feel like that they were harassing Goff? Nope. They did sack him a couple of times and they stripped him one time. I think Jamal Adams Jamal got Adams, home yeah. a couple of times. But uh, yeah, I didn't see them getting a lot of pressure on Goff. It was just, oh God. Jamal Adams, can we talk about that
0: trade? Yeah.
3: Do
1: you still love it? I mean I loved
0: it too. I saw a lot of Schneider should be fired for what he gave up for Jamal Adams already. I know it's overreaction on Twitter, but yeah. people are pissed. And then when you see him going to the locker room before the game, you're like, Oh my god.
1: No, it was during the game. It was after the first possession. Oh, was it? Yeah. There was already possession gone. Oh,
0: yeah. And I just see With China doll shoulder. and I see all this that people are like, Wow, we gave up a lot for him. The guy can barely find I mean, I know he's a warrior, he played tough, but he can't stay healthy.
1: Can't stay healthy and not doing a great job in coverage. He's pretty talented blitzing, but yeah. Uh, Am I ready to write that trade off yet? No, I think it's probably a little bit of an overreaction. Okay. I think it's probably a little bit of an overreaction, and I think it's people that are frustrated with an overall defense that has a signature player like him who has not been able to stay on the field, and when he has been on the field in certain elements of his game, he hasn't played particularly well.
0: Can you yeah. help me understand going for the field goal on second
1: and 20 at the end of the game? Yeah, that's a new that's a newish thing in the last five or ten years. When you're down 10 and you're facing, like, long odds and you need to have a field goal anyway, yeah, a lot of teams will do that now. They'll quickly just bring the field goal out because they know they're going to have to get an onside kick and they need a 7 and a 3. Okay. So when they are so far away from the goal line, they figure – Let's just take the three right now and then try the onside kick and go after the seven. Yes. Okay. That's, that's a little bit of a shift in the last 10 years. 15 years ago, a team that was down 10 in that situation would be going for it on fourth down, trying to get the touchdown first. Right. But somewhere along the line, I think an analytics guy came along and said, hey, you need th- in that situation, you need three anyway. Just bring the three out, get the three, and let's try the onside kick and throw it in the end zone like the Cardinals did. Throw it in the end zone, and maybe something will happen.
0: Okay. Yeah, that was weird. I hadn't really seen much of that. Yeah. One positive, though, your boy Jason Myers, who took a lot of shit on this podcast last year. Yes, he did. Three for three on the field goals.
1: Yeah, he kicked a 61-yarder.
0: Franchise record. Just squeezed the last one in. (laughs) Three for three.
1: Last one got bare, bare yes, yes. You, you couldn't have fit a
0: dollar bill between the goalpost and the ball, oh gosh, could you? I was one. so close. That last one. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, I suppose we, yeah, they got a great kicker and a great punter. There you go. It's really doing a lot for them. That's right, yeah. Because they can pin people down. Ugh. Why make them, if they're going to go 60 or 70 yards, they might as well just go 98 or 99. Yeah, sure, why not? Because you can pin them. You can pin them back. They're deep. Yep, absolutely. I, I'll tell you who I, you want you a silver lining? It's not much of a silver okay. lining. A guy who's starting to show something to me, at least. I might have him in my notes. I'm Jordan curious. Brooks. I have
0: him in my notes. Yep.
1: It, am I the only? So I'm not the only one that's starting to see a play here and a play yeah, there sure. where you're like going, mm. Maybe they do have something in Jordan Brooks.
0: Yeah, the, the secondary has gone two games without an interception or even a pass defense. T- yeah, defended. Yeah, but Jordan Brooks had a great. He came pass. into yeah. the he
1: came into the picture late on Robert Woods and cracked him. He Sure right? did. He looked fast and he's kind of separated him from the ball and caused. A, I think that that might have been a cause. So yeah, I, I mean, there's some things. I guess there's some things. Jordan Brooks looks good. And, and um, how about how about the fundamental lack of confidence in your boy DJ Dallas? They sign a guy off the waiver wire, Alex yeah. Collins. They bring him in, they put him on the practice squad, then they elevate him. And after two DJ Dallas games, he's not seeing the field. Right. It's like a combination of 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 um, Collins and Homer. No, DJ. Da- I mean, DJ Dallas played a little bit at the end of the half. Well, Homer actually, got hurt. Actually, <laughs> did Homer get hurt? Yeah. He got actually, hurt. Dallas made a couple of good, decent little plays there at the end of the half to try to get them into field goal range yeah. for 61 yards. Russell so kind
0: of pitched one to him when he was in trouble. Yeah, the, yeah and yeah. he made
1: the guy miss, or yeah, the guy yeah. slipped, and he. Yeah, but not boy, a, not a good sign. Not a great vote of confidence where you're just picking guys off the street, and that's it for DJ Dallas. Yeah, and he's not in there in the third down roll. He wasn't in there in the. Featured role, and you're giving the ball, and then Collins comes in there. Thank you, Taco Time on Tuesday. That's right. Buy one, get one free, ladies and gentlemen, even in a loss. I'll be at Taco Time on Tuesday. First, they didn't make me wait on this. They go right down the field in the first series after giving up a field goal, <laughs> and they throw it to Alex Collins, and he busts through the line. I was stunned by that drive. That drive was really easy, and I was like, maybe I've missed, completely miscalled this game because yeah. I thought this was going to be the game that the Seahawks were not going to be able to score. I said it on the note table, not not, not score, I but what mean, that yeah. they were going to get slowed down, that this was a bad situation, having a backup center and no running game, having a Rams defense that was, acro- remember, across the board. They were in the top five of like a lot of statistics, and Aaron Donald, I thought that this was going to be the game that the Seahawks offense was really going to struggle, and they would lose because of that. Um, for them to go straight down the field on that first drive, a couple of throws here, short throws, runs, and then busting it in for a touchdown, like almost on a running on a mean, running play from yeah. like 12, 15 yards. I was like, <laughs> "You look good." Really, this is maybe this game's going to go a different way. But that's kind of the last time that their offense was
0: good. Do you think? Carson being out also might be in Wilson's head a little bit, going, we don't have a running game. I got I to gotta try to do more.
1: You just want me to come along with you in, I'm in, in Russell's I'm asking a question. Head. I don't need
0: you to do anything. In, in Russell's head. I mean, that's got to affect him a little bit, right? Like, thinking you have to kind of step up because you're you're down to your third and fourth street. You're, you got a guy for waivers starting for you're you. You're pushing me. I, I You think, don't have to do anything. I'm just asking.
1: Well, I'll give you the answer. I think this is not what you're asking. I think it impacts the offense. Okay. I think when you are playing... A really good defensive football team, and they are good. They've got a shutdown corner who was all over Metcalf, even though Troy Aikman kept on saying, I don't think they're giving Metcalf a chance. And and I just wanted to punch Aikman in the face when he said, it's one thing to do it against Miami. Did you hear him say that? It's another thing to do it against Seattle? Six and three Miami. Is that who he's talking about? Okay. Hey, Sonny boy. Oh, boy. Okay, pick up a newspaper, all right? Yeah. The boys are back. <laughs> it's yeah. two a time, that's right. all right? Stop taking, everybody just decided they could take a crap on Miami for the last 15 years it's, and you just keep doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, pay attention. Yeah, pay attention. Fair. Half game out of first place in the AFC East. Anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> um, where was I on that? What was uh, I talking Trey about? Treitman and DK Metcalf. No, that's not where I was. We were talking oh. about something else. Uh, you asked me something else and now I've forgotten.
0: Oh, all right. I thought it was, wasn't the – DK? What well, you said? Troy kept saying that they're going to DK Metcalf.
1: Oh, you or- asked me. Do I think it's in the head oh, that yeah, he doesn't yeah. have a running Chris, game? Forget the head. Can we just take the head out of okay, it for a second? I'm just curious. You're playing against a really good defense, right? Yep. Okay. A defense that has a real has the the single best. I- Did I say this to you or the other guys? You said it to me. I think that Aaron Donald may be the best defensive lineman I have ever seen play. Yeah. Okay. So they're playing against one of the greatest defensive linemen at all of all time. So, obviously, that group of four is pretty good, right? Yeah, sure. They don't need to blitz a lot. They've got the shutdown corner. And now, so they're a very good defense, right, who's been playing very good. Now you're essentially telling them, forget Russell's head. You're telling them, we don't have our top running back. We don't have our second running back. We're playing freaking DJ Dallas and a guy off the scrap heap and Alex Collins. And we don't have our, our starting center. We're putting a guy in who's never started a center. OK, so forget forget Russell Wilson's head. OK, what I think the issue is, is you're telling a defense. If you're the defensive coordinator, how do you prepare for that Seahawks team? You're like, okay, we're not going to even respect the run. We're not even going to think run. Pin your ears back. Let's go. If they beat us with the run, we'll adjust. They ain't going to beat us with the run. Let's just go get them. Let's assume pass. That makes everything much more difficult. That's what I think is the problem. So, yes, do I think that they miss Chris Carson? Huge. Hugely miss Fourth and inches, would you like to have had him? I'd like to just have the threat of a run game. I'd like to have the other team thinking, okay, they've got a good run game in number 32, and not have the other team thinking, They've got no running game. We're just going to pin our ears back and go get Russell Wilson. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem, so whether less, it's in his head or not. That's less problem.
0: psychology in his head, more about just scheme. It's like, how do you approach we an offense We need 32
1: back, yeah. and I don't yeah. think they're getting them back against the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals defensively, I just – I don't like the Cardinals defensively. I like Patrick Peterson, and I like Buda Baker, but I think that the Cardinals can be had – I sure hope that the Seahawks offense will pop back. Maybe Posick will play. Oh. I, I can't imagine that all of a sudden, five days later, Chris Carson's going to play on Thursday night. Yeah. So my guess is he's out another week. My guess is we're not going to get Dunbar back. They're not going to get Griffin back. They're starting corners, which is a huge problem against the Cardinals. I don't see Jamal have good Adams receivers. I mean,
0: is Adams is going to play. He said he has one arm. He's dying out there. I thought he played. Yeah, but he said he played with one arm, essentially. He's tons of pain. I don't see him playing on Thursday. Maybe it's over. <laughs> the whole season's maybe over. The season's over. Yeah. I mean, honestly though, like you could only you could only withstand so many injuries in a season. I mean, look at the Niners, right? You can only handle so many. So maybe you're right. Maybe 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 they just they're too banged up. They just how do you recover from that?
1: Well, they're 6 and 3. Yeah. And they really only have to get to 9 or 9 because there's an extra playoff team in the in each conference now. Right. So 9 and 7 should be enough. But do you, do you care? I mean, I mean, how many years are we going to go through seeing the Seattle Seahawks as a wild card team or a three or four seed that wins a playoff game and then gets blown out or can't win the second game and yeah. really doesn't come close to going to the Super Bowl? Right. Are we tired of that already? Sure. Are we going down that road again? Boy, it feels like we're going down that road again. Yep. And I don't know who you want to point the finger at. Well, I don't know if it's a personnel problem. I don't know if it's a coaching problem. And I don't know if it's both. I don't know.
0: Do you think Russell Wilson's new podcast is in his head at all before the games? Or do you or do you think that maybe it's... I was like, I saw something about on his, his podcast during a break. On, I don't know. I was like, how about less podcasting and more preparation? What happened to the, the separations in the preparation? Now he's got Mike Tyson on. They're yucking it up. He's on Bill Simmons podcast. He's dressing up with Sierra. Well, those guys
1: are... None of those guys are going to want to go on anymore because he's not the MVP anymore.
0: <laughs> That's right. Not going to get the guests. No, he's not. Not going to get the A-list celebrities. <laughs> He'll see how hard it is to book
1: guests. <laughs> I know we have the other stuff segment. We do coming up, and I know we can talk about the dogs then, or we can talk about the dogs now. But your Washington Huskies played on Saturday night. Woo-hoo, they sure did, undefeated. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yes, undefeated in November. Oh well, when into are the BCS rankings out? <laughs> I can't wait. Dylan Morris is the starting quarterback. Let Dylan cook. Let <laughs> Dylan cook. <laughs> did you watch into the into the wee hours, right up till Saturday Night Live's repeat? Which I have a problem with that. They're already they're already showing repeats. They've done like well, four shows. Well, to
0: be fair. What?
1: The week before, yeah, they
0: busted their ass. Yeah, they did a show. No, no. Joe Biden was the president elect. They yeah. on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, we, we find that out. Yeah. So now they have so to. So then they get the week off. What do they get to buy? They should get the week off.
1: No, nobody not after. slept. I'm sure that whole oh, week. Oh, come on. Do another show. You have done four shows for God's sakes. Five shows. Maybe not even five shows. I mean,
0: the woman, uh, Maya Rudolph. She. had I, the, th-
1: I think they couldn't get a host. My, <laughs> a guest host.
0: Maya Rudolph had the exact same outfit that Kamala Harris had on that morning or that yeah. afternoon. Like. They had it. They busted their ass. So I'm cool with them getting a week off and I love the market. Well, you're you're always
1: teasing me about the Washington Huskies and their national, their mythical national championship that they won half of and everything else. And you you throw Steve Ventman at me and you're always throwing Did you watch the game? I I don't even get the feeling that you're passionate about the twenty twenty Washington Huskies. I tuned in thinking I was gonna see Kevin Thompson as the starting quarterback. Right. And he wasn't. He was not.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I watched it at a friend's house. Yeah, and uh, did you pay close attention? I paid attention. Well, here's the problem. My- this is the Washington Huskies. I know. Here's the problem. My okay. my friend just bought
1: two arcade games for his living room, like those the ones that I got, like the one that I got. Yeah, you know, the- but
0: like yeah, but, but vintage.
1: Yeah, like. yeah, like the yeah, yeah. Is I know vintage the, the
0: right word when they're yeah. the originals? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not which, retro. Which ones did he get? Joust. Yeah, and Miss Pac-Man. Yeah, and I, I have a blister. I have a blister on my finger. I got finger. golden tea. I know. I can't wait to kick your ass at that when I'm allowed to, like, touch things and, you know. And kick my ass at oh, that? Oh, I'm really good at golden tea. Really good. I can't wait to play you at it. Are you good at it yet? Because I don't want to play if you're not good.
1: I'm, I'm trying to figure out whether you're trying to be serious no, I, or I'm not. No, I'm really
0: good at golden tea. Like, I, what's
1: really good? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm good. I, what's really good? Smarty pants? Depends what's on the really course. Good? There's a
0: lot of courses. An idea. Seven, eight, nine under. Okay.
1: That's not very good. Oh, really? Yeah, that sucks. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay, we'll see. Right. Beat so, me.
1: I was okay. watching the game. But I routinely a- shoot in the 50s. Routinely shoot in the 50s. I'm going to need to see that. You, you want me to take pictures? Please. I shot 56 the other day. Really? Yeah. Okay. You want to play? 56? Really, yeah, 56. Well, maybe, I'm, 57, maybe I'm not maybe, remembering maybe it, was it correctly. A, maybe I missed a putt on 18 for 56 and shot 57. <laughs> Sorry. Okay? Not six or seven under punt. I'm going to need a picture. I, I love the fact that you think you're really good shooting
0: six or seven well, under Well, there's point. only 500 courses. So it depends on what – some courses are tougher than others. Well, no. The Golden
1: Tee, they only give you like three each edition. Yeah, Let's but, go back to the Huskies. Fine. Can we go back to the But the, the problem is I was trying to watch – The but, spot. Can we um, talk about the spot? The game came down to one play. Yeah, came down to one awful call that went against Oregon State. That went for, and I'm what? Hey, by the way, that was my first game as a Washington dad, as a dog oh, dad. Oh, I have never been. You're one to oh. know. I've never been a dog dad before. Yeah. I pull for Washington. It's not the most important thing, but come on, let's all call it what it was. The Oregon State <laughs> offense had the ball going in for the go-ahead score, deep in Washington <laughs> territory. The guy clearly gets the first down, and they get the spot. The, the worst spot of all time <laughs> to the benefit of the Washington Huskies. And there was only one thing that was worse than the spot itself. The television coverage. <laughs> yeah. Are you
0: aware of the play that I'm talking about? Totally aware. It was the biggest play of the game at the end, yeah.
1: Biggest play of the game. Yeah. It gets challenged. Fox, now you're going to tell me it's FS1. What's the difference? It's Fox. It's the same group. Oh, no. Fox gets all the cameras. FS1 only gets two. Stop they get two it. two per broadcast. Stop it. Yeah, no, Fox has all the money. This was the most pathetic display of television of all time. Okay. It's 27-21 or whatever it is. Oregon State's going in. It's the play of the game. They get absolutely jobbed on a spot. They go to the break without playing a replay going to the break. I'm like, okay. You're making me wait till after the replay. You better come back with like 17 different camera angles of yeah. this play. This plays the game. And and if they're if they're going to challenge it, then they're going to need some different they show one replay and it's the same camera that we originally saw the play live. They didn't have one other camera in the entire stadium and if they did, they didn't show us one angle, a secondary angle of the play of the game. Well, and I'm saying to myself, <laughs> Who's in charge of that? I mean, it's Fox.
0: Yeah. They got a
1: lot of money. Fox, you're telling me they don't have enough cameras to give me one other camera angle of the play? Well,
0: the other camera had water damage from the night, so they weren't able to use it.
1: No, it's... I thought you were going to tell me all the fans trampled the other,
0: <laughs> yeah, the other the camera. Boy, it sucks for Max not getting to go to his first home Husky game. What a bummer, but anyway. I yeah. wrote him
1: a note. Hey, you're going wa- you to watch with a bunch of people? And he was like, I, I forgot that they were even playing. <laughs> I know. It's such a weird year. Terrible. I mean, yeah. And Dylan Morris is the quarterback. It's not even Kevin Thompson. I thought Kevin Thompson, the the forty six year old, twenty sixth year senior from Sacramento State, was going to be the. Where quarterback. Where does the kid have to go to get on the field? <laughs> just, well, I think he was hurt. They okay. said that he was in street clothes and he had a rib problem. But but then after the game, Jimmy Lake said that Dylan Morris won. I don't know. I was I, I was happy for Washington that they won. Yeah. I thought watching the first quarter of that of that game, if the if the wide receivers just make a catch. Just Boy. make a catch, and the guy doesn't snap the ball over the punter's head to Puyallup, Okay, I, I thought that they should have been ahead like seventeen nothing really quickly, and should have won that game by a bunch of touchdowns. As it was, they had to sweat it out and get a terrible call on a spot to win. So there's that. And I, I don't look. I don't want to say too much about Dylan Morris. He's a he's a redshirt freshman. It was his first game. God yeah. love him. He's in a tough situation. Yes, the receivers didn't catch the ball for him, but there's a. There seems to be, at least in the first game, a fundamental lack of explosiveness to that offense. Um, They got a good running game. I think they got a pretty good offensive line. They got some good running backs. They got two or three good running backs. They're supposed to have some good young wide receivers. I don't know. I don't follow it that closely. Well, they might be good if they they catch it, right? And then he said, by the way, Jimmy Lake said after the game, he said something like, Morris won the job, and I'm paraphrasing here, because he minimized his mistakes. It was a really close decision and I gave it to Dylan Morris because he minimized his mistakes. It almost felt like, okay, we're gonna go with the guy that's least likely to make a mistake and we're gonna button down and try to win, you know, like manage the game and in twenty twenty, I don't know, maybe college is different. I don't think you wanna win football. I don't think you win a lot of football games with a non explosive quarterback. And I again I don't wanna call Dylan Morris non explosive. It just I don't know. You weren't feeling it. I, I, I wasn't feeling a dynamic offense, hmm. a, a dynamic passing game, like that there, was, that there was a chance that something really big was going to happen in the passing game. I may be completely wrong.
0: I'm sitting there with my friend who went to UW, played baseball there. He's yeah. the all-time home run leader. He loves the Huskies, and at really? halftime he
1: looks at me. and He's all-time home run leader. Are you dumb?
0: Yeah, he's got HR King on his license plate. Wow, because he is the all-time leader. Yeah, and he, I, I actually just like, ask him when I first when I first met him. I'm like, this guy really loves his job in, in uh, human resources. I had no idea. I was like, holy shit! What a weird license plate that you love HR. Anyway, he, at halftime he looks at me. He goes, I think I'm ready for to see a, another quarterback. Like another quarterback, the kid's played two quarters of college football and he's yeah. calling for his head, you know. Yeah. we got to see somebody else. He sucks, you know. It's like, all right, calm down, well, calm down. Well, was he saying
1: that or was he saying, I'd like to just see what another quarterback can do?
0: Nonetheless, you don't want to see the New guy Isle who's in. said for
1: weeks that he thought two quarterbacks were going to play the first game. I wouldn't have been surprised by that. I almost thought we would see that. But one of the quarterbacks that we thought we would see was not in uniform. Yeah, not healthy. So, yeah. Maybe, so I maybe don't know. we will.
0: I don't know good for them. I'm glad Jimmy Lake's one oh. It could be 0-1. Yeah, And the Huskies are undefeated well into November. That's all I know.
1: I just can't believe we're in 2020 watching a game in high definition, in 4K or whatever they call it, and the most important play of the game, they don't have a second camera. I mean, that was just painful. That whole broadcast, oh, they should just close up shop. Well, Whoever they are, Fox Sports 1, FS1, oh my God. Just stop. I didn't
0: really hear just much of up. it because there was a lot of talking and stuff. Yeah. Because you were playing, uh, oh yeah, playing Joust. And Ms. Pac-Man, mostly Ms. Is Pac-Man. Is
1: Joust the thing on the horse and stuff? No. Or you it, have a little thing. You're it's like, like oversized ostriches that you sit yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, I
0: know. Yeah, You know. have to yeah. land on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's no golden tee. But I saw somebody on, on Twitter say, I can't believe that the Husky football program has been relegated to these two announcers. Like, what must they think of them? But I, I didn't hear a ton.
1: I know one was Petros. Yeah, it just... It was amateur hour. Was it? The whole yeah. broadcast was amateur hour. Yeah, only sending one camera is all you had to know. Right? They didn't send <laughs> one camera. They had a million cameras. They just didn't get a shot of it somehow, or or chose not to show a replay. Just ridiculous. Yeah, and it was the and they hard and it was hardly a controversial. They they uh, they hardly kind of kind of identified it as a controversial moment when the whole world was like, wait, 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 well, hold on a second. <laughs> he totally got that first down. Yeah. It was really...
0: They just sort of glossed over it. Well, like, oh, I think they
1: kind of glossed over it because they realized, shit, we don't even have a replay of oh, the damn
0: thing. interesting. Yeah, maybe we that's why. We can't do replays in 2020. <laughs> we don't have that technology. Stupid. Maybe next year. And then you watch the NFL and they got cameras on the pylons. They got cameras in the middle of the field.
1: Yeah. I don't think this is the NFL versus college. I think this is Fox Sports 1 and kind of an. Amateur hour at the Apollo. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right, three interviews and then the other stuff segment. Oh, I'm ready. It's always terrific to have Zeke's Pizza president, Dan Black, on the Zeke's Pizza hotline and Mitch Unfiltered. Fill us in, Dan. Last time we spoke, you kind of hinted at two, one or two more locations, and now I'm hearing about a third.
2: Yeah, I think last time we talked, we mentioned Ken Moore. That one's being built and on track to open early January. Uh, We've signed two more deals recently. Uh, Just signed one for Mill Creek. Uh, Our Bothell franchise owners, Chad and Lauren Grembos, are signing up to do their second one, and then Mount Lake Terrace is gonna happen as well. So that'll take us up to 20 total, and and we're excited to be in Kenmore, Mill Creek, and Mount Lake Terrace.
1: Just another indication that while it's so difficult in the restaurant business these days, you guys are are keeping your heads well above water,
2: right? Yeah, and, you know, we we try to be careful in terms of how we talk about it because there's a lot of pain out there, particularly in our industry, and we've been able to rally around takeout and delivery, and pizza in general has been okay in the pandemic just because it does lend itself so well to takeout and delivery, but what has really differentiated us is our leadership in beer and, in particular, the emerging consumer behavior of ordering alcohol with your pizza and, you know, as that has gotten traction, people ordering beer with their food, in particular pizza, we've talked about how people discovered pretty quickly that Zeke's is the best at it. And so that has just given us a lot of momentum, both in terms of delivering pizza and beer, but then it also has given us a lot of momentum on the franchise side. People have seen our success and you know they want a piece of the action basically
1: i'm not a huge beer man i'm not a this is not a huge beer family but i know of your list and i know of the accolades that it's received even just recently
2: yeah no our our beer lineup has been semi-legendary for a while and that just keeps getting higher profile and and what we focus on is bringing people the best beers in the northwest and When we focus on that, it turns out you're bringing people the best beers in the world just because we are so good about it in our home region here and, you know, just another indication of that is the Great American Beer Festival just happened and it's the biggest beer festival in North America. It's one of the two biggest in the world. It's where the medals that are awarded there are the most highly prized in the world and so we had... You know, a lot of our mainstay partners, like Chuckanut, Frame, Bale Breaker, Rubens, things that we have on a lot, they are just all were highly decorated. I think we had 12 to 15 beers that we've had on in the past year when medals at Great American Beer Fest. And so, you know, that's just another indication of what people already know, which is when you're coming to Zeke's, you're, you're coming to find definitely the best beer in the Northwest, which means you're kind of coming to find the best beer in the world, so.
1: Beer, pizza, straight to your door in minutes. 20 locations soon. Zeke's Pizza and a great, great partner of Mitch Unfiltered since the beginning, and I'm proud of that. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Here's a toss to Collins, running left. Cuts up field and is in for the touchdown. First and goal, handoff here, and Malcolm Brown has got his
0: second
4: of the day. Brandon Staley in this defense, I'm a believer, and what a day. What a day for Darius Williams.
3: Disappointed in, in this game uh, that we didn't improve uh, in, in scenarios from last week. We played turnover game again, and that didn't work out for us. We had trouble in the first half slowing them down, and uh, we have to not give stuff up. And uh, we made enough mistakes here that we're giving place to teams that are executing well and they're making things happen, and we're uh, and getting behind the sticks.
1: Well. Two weeks in a row where the Seahawks are taken out by the woodshed. 23 16 on Sunday in a game, a loss to the Rams that kind of seemed more lopsided than the final score might indicate. At least we all get free tacos at all taco time locations on Tuesday with the purchase of another, thanks to the first drive score of Alex Collins. Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com. Hard to believe, Brady, that they score. They go right down the field in that first possession, punch the ball into the end zone against a really
5: good defense and then they don't get really near the end zone the rest of the way. It is hard to believe, and certainly you've been counting on this offense to do more than what they did Sunday, considering it was coming into this game, leading the NFL in scoring at, I believe, 34 points per game. Now – The fact that they were missing a lot of key players on offense did not help. Their top two running backs, their starting center. So you've got to give them some leeway. I, I know I said when we chatted with Joe Fan on Thursday that given everything that was up against the Seahawks in this game, not just what they were missing on offense, but also on defense without their top two cornerbacks, this would have been one of the more impressive regular season wins in my mind. So it's not the fact that they lost. It's the fact that their offense didn't show up and also the fact that, look, they are no longer in first place in the NFC West. There's a three-way tie, and of course the Seahawks lose out on the tiebreaker to both the Rams and Cardinals. So as good as everything looked just three weeks ago when they were 5-0 and for the first time in franchise history, their season really seems to be at something of a crossroads now. Yeah. Let's get out the freak-out factor. People are freaking out after two losses, and I understand it.
1: Let's ask your opinion on some of the freakouts. Begin with Russell Wilson. People are wondering, okay, is he a shot fighter? We were talking about an MVP two weeks ago, and now we're wondering all these turnovers. Is, uh, is he pressing? Is he trying to too much, do too much? Does he know that his defense stinks? Does he know he doesn't have a running game?
5: What's your sense on him? The obvious you know, conclusion to draw is that, yeah, he is pressing. And how could you not when you're looking at a defense that is getting gashed at this historic rate? The stat that Elias Sports Bureau had was that they had allowed the second most yards in NFL history coming into this game through a team's first eight games. So if you're Wilson... How could you not sort of press? Now, he has denied that. He has said that that's not the case, and I tend to think that that might be him. He doesn't want to throw his defense under the bus and basically say something that amounts to, yeah, I have to overextend myself because these guys aren't getting the job done. It's hard to look at some of the decisions that he's making, Mitch, and not think that he's pressing. A good example was that first interception that he threw Sunday. He had wide open lane to run, a lot of green grass in front of him, and instead he throws back across the field uh, trying to hit Will Disley on a wheel route, did not see the cornerback there. It's just hard to, it's hard to imagine that he's not pressing at least to some degree when you see him turning the ball over the way he has. Now, he had three turnovers in this game. I don't know if you could really fault him for the low snap that was probably more on the center as much as it is on Wilson. But at the same time, you know, he could have fallen on that. Instead, tried to pick it up and, uh, and ended up not picking it up and fumbling it for another turnover. That's 10 turnovers officially over those last four games. And we were talking about, again, an MVP candidate not that long ago. Now I think you've got to put that conversation on hold for at least a little bit.
1: Freak out number two, Brady Henderson. The Jamal Adams trade is a bust. John Schneider should have never given up all those draft choices in the player for Jamal Adams. He, he hasn't been healthy. He's too fragile. He left the game early, came back with a bad choice. No good in coverage. Yeah, he sacks. He gets involved on sacks. This was a bad trade by John Schneider. Overreaction?
5: Yes, certainly it has not worked out as well as you would have thought, considering the caliber of player you're getting and what they gave up to get him. But even then, Jamal Adams has still been one of their most impactful defenders. Now, the bar is not all that high just because they have not had nearly enough of those guys, but he's been one of their best pass rushers had really i thought his most impactful play of the season when he had that strip sack of jared goff of course wilson and the offense could not capitalize because that was right before they committed that turnover with wilson's first interception but adams has not been perfect we talked about it last week i think that his aggressiveness is really a dual-edged sword where that's the reason why he's such an effective pass rusher and why he's so good at making plays in the box It also comes back to bite him at times and when he gets over aggressive and tries to overextend himself. It has not worked out as well as they thought, but it's still early. The guy's under contract for this year. So there's going to be a a very interesting decision that they have to make on him this offseason, but I, I do not think you could say that it's been a bust quite yet.
1: The offense was to blame in large part for Sunday's loss to the Rams, Brady. I get that. But where I get a little agitated, maybe it's just the low bar that Seahawks fans have for their defense. Seahawks fans on social media saying, no, 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 the Seahawks defense played better. This is all on the offense. Defense was much better this week because they gave up, what, 23 points. Come on now. They gave up 17 on the first three drives. The Rams could do whatever they wanted. The first drive of the second half for the Rams, I think they went 88 yards on 14 plays. And really the only thing the Seahawks did was force a few punts late in the game when it didn't feel like, to me, the Rams were as aggressive offensively because they knew they had the game in hand with the way their defense was playing. Am I misreading that, or did the Seahawks' defense really play better? on Sunday
5: well it played better certainly but again that just goes to show how low the bar has been set when they're giving up yards and points at this historic rate you kind of feel like especially with the way the offense has been rolling heading into this game at least that yeah you would take 23 points just because that's such a big improvement over what it's been like there's a tendency I think Mitch in these situations to you want to simplify it and say it was one side's fault versus the other it was this and only this and not that look The defense could have played better. I'm looking at the stat sheet right now. They gave up nine. They allowed the Rams to convert nine of 15 times on third down, allowed them to, yeah, 389 yards, 283 yards passing. But that said, it was an improvement, and they did get that big turnover that really should have led to points, and it didn't.
1: The fourth down call first possession of the second half by the Seahawks Pete Carroll has gone for it in similar situations up to this point this year putting the ball in Russell Wilson's hands you and I have discussed that on occasion and yet fourth and inches he uh, essentially tries to draw the defense off sides then punts to pin the team deep and you know what happens next 88 yards later the Rams are in the end zone and the game is out of hand how about that
5: decision Certainly a questionable one. Now, people are hammering Pete Carroll, and I totally get that. I I don't agree with his decision, but I also see where he was coming from there. And if you read his post-game comments or or hear him say those, I think what he was really trying to say, and he didn't really come out and say this outright because I don't think he wanted to throw anybody under the bus, but... I think this was I think this would have been a very different story if they had either Chris Carson or Carlos Hyde in their backfield and or they had their starting center in Ethan Posick. Look, you're talking about two of your most your two most physical running backs and your starting center. That's a lot to be missing in a short yardage situation especially when you've got an all-world player on the other side in Aaron Donald. Now, Carroll didn't say outright, he was asked, would this have been different? Would your decision have been different if you had Chris Carson there? He really tilted his head and gave this shrug as if to convey, yeah, maybe. And I really think that 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 is the case because the way that Carroll described it, his rationale – his stated reasoning really did not add up to me he was basically saying that they trusted their defense in that situation more than their offense i can understand again not having trust in your offense but what reason has his defense given him both this season and leading up to that point in that game to where he should have trusted them instead that defense has again given up yards at a historic rate they had allowed two long touchdown drives to that point in the game i believe of 77 and 93 yards already. So in my mind, and I think in most people's minds, yours I would imagine too, What's the difference between giving them the ball at the 39-yard line versus giving them the ball at their own 10-yard line? You've got to figure, especially with Seattle missing its top two cornerbacks, the Rams, were going to, the Rams were going to drive the ball regardless whether or not they started at the 40 or their own 10, and they did. They drove 88 yards for a touchdown. The
1: Seahawks universe like me just shake their head every time we hear about how good Michael Dixon is at pinning back the opposing team deep in their territory. And he, they're, they're right. He is very good at it, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's what you're really saying. It doesn't matter. Uh, so they'll go 88 yards instead of going 40 or 60 or 65. In this case, give give the offense a chance to stay out on the field. I completely agree with your line of thinking. So we have a short work week, and we've got a team that's now in a little bit of disarray, 6-3, and three, wondering how good are they. A rematch with the Cardinals on Thursday night here. Uh, I'm assuming that – you won't see anybody who didn't play on Sunday actually get healthy enough to play on the short work week. Is that A, correct, and B, how, how close to a must-win situation is this for the Seahawks?
5: Yeah, we'll see about Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. The, the vibe that Carroll has been giving is that it's been close, that it, you know, it was close. But then again, it also wasn't close enough to even take it to game time for both of those guys this week because they were both ruled out on Saturday. So... Yeah, that's going to be one that bears watching. I'm not ready to rule them out right now, but I also, like you, I don't have a ton of confidence that either one of those guys is going to get back. Certainly don't have any confidence in Quentin Dunbar. Pete Carroll has basically been saying that he's going to be out for a while. It's going to take him a while to get back from that sore knee. Shaquille Griffin, also a maybe. Benson Mayowa, also a maybe. So we'll see, but it is tough when you're talking about a short week. Now, in terms of this being a must-win game, it's kind of weird to think about a must-win game for a 6-3 and team in what, this will still be mid-November, but I think this is as close to that as you can get because, A, look at you're tied with the Rams and the Cardinals at 6-3 and atop the division. Those two teams have the tiebreaker. Cardinals have already beaten you once, so if you lose twice to them, you're basically, you're down by one game in the standings, but in effect, you're down by two games. Now, I think the saving grace for the Seahawks, even if they do lose this game, is they do have an easier schedule. Remember, this, this Rams game, or this Cardinals game, will be the final game of that five-game stretch that we talked about earlier in the season. That difficult five-game stretch where we were basically saying you would take 3-2 and two in that stretch. And remember, they were 5-0 at that point, and we were talking about this being a difficult enough stretch to where you would take 3-2. and two well that that stretched their next five games after that cardinals game that gets a whole lot easier they're playing the eagles the jets the giants washington uh, another team that's not very good that i can't remember but their schedule does get easier and the rams do have a tougher schedule they played the cardinals twice so you figure that those two teams are going to beat up on each other one way or another right they, they've also got to play tampa bay so the, the schedule does work out in the Seahawks' favor, but. You're still talking about potentially losing three straight games and really watching your lead in the NFC West slip away. So let's finish
1: with this Brady Henderson, ESPN.com, Seahawks Insider, all brought to you by my friends at Taco Time, Taco Time Northwest. Don't forget a a free taco when you buy another on Tuesday, thanks to the running touchdown and... The, the Taco Time Northwest app downloaded order ahead and your meal will be waiting for you just inside the door of your favorite Taco Time location. Brady Henderson is with us each and every week on Mitch Unfiltered. So the final question I have is a simple one, but maybe complicated to answer. Are we now willing to look at this team through nine games? They've played nine football games against good, mediocre and bad opponents and just wave the white flag and say, you know what it is? It's a team not unlike the last few years It should make the playoffs and maybe win a game and play in the second weekend, but it's just too flawed. It's just too flawed of a football team to consider it a true Super Bowl contender. Is that a
5: fair assessment, or is it too early to say, or is it unfair? I'm going to channel the late, great Denny Green with one of the classic <laughs> lines. The Seahawks are who we thought they were, Mitch. They are who we thought they were. We were talking about this team, I know I was, talking about this team being an 11-5 and team that was gonna really struggle on defense. Now, I would not have predicted that they would have jumped out to a 5-0 and start. I also would not have predicted that their defense would struggle as badly as it has, but they are heading towards an 11-5 and type season, and it really looked like they had the potential for a lot more than that, and maybe they still do, but it certainly looked like they had the potential for a lot more than that just a couple weeks ago. I continue to think that this team, this defense, has way too much talent to be getting beat as badly as it did. And I don't know if you could say that what they showed Sunday was encouraging. But it's also, a, I think it. I think you can say that it does give you at least some hope that they can be not great on defense, but good enough, right? We've talked about this. They don't have to be the 2013-14 defense. They don't even have to be league average. They just can't be the worst defense, right? With an offense that, saved for this week, has been mostly very good, they just have to be what they were Sunday. And that, that wasn't good enough to get it done in this game, but it should be with the way that their uh, offense has been.
1: I don't know that I agree with you, Brady Henderson, but I respect you, and uh, I'm, I'm thankful that you're with us. I, I don't see it. I, I see a defense that if the Rams wanted to score 45 points on Sunday, they would have. I saw a defense that gave up loads and loads and chunks and chunks of yards So the Rams got to 23 and in the last few possessions. The Rams kind of called off the dogs. They realized that they were better on defense than the Seahawks were on offense on this given day. And they kind of scaled it down a little bit in the last few possessions. I don't know. I don't see where the Seahawks took a stride defensively. And I'll go one step further with you. A week ago against the Bills when they came up with seven sacks. Now there was something I could put my arms around and say, all right. There's an improvement. But on Sunday against the Rams, nothing. Really nothing in the way of pressure. A couple of plays here and there, but nothing like the previous two weeks. But anyway, enough's enough for episode 117. Brady Henderson, ESPN, ESPN.com. You'll hear him all week. You'll hear him again after the Cardinals game on Thursday night. Thank you, Brady. Thanks so very much. All right. Thanks, Mitch. So, a tough result in Los Angeles, not altogether unexpected when you consider how the Seahawks defense has been playing, all the people out, the cornerbacks, the running backs against that tough Rams defense. Now, six and three, short work week because here come the Cardinals for the rematch in the NFC West and a game now that's huge on Thursday night. If you're competing against Scott and me in the Beat the Boys contest, you know our presenting sponsor is fireside home solutions the owner john waterstrat is on the horn john let's discuss the process the fireplace process this week the weather is turning a new energy efficient fireplace is on our to-do list we shop around we go to your website then what take us through the steps from beginning to end on how it works on your end
6: so we try to make it as easy as possible mitch uh the first thing we can do is you just make a call You can either have us just come right out to your home so you don't have to leave your home. We can come right to you. Or if you wanna come into one of our showrooms, come on in and we can look at fireplaces. We always want to come to your home before we do an installation. So once we come to your home, we'll do all the measurements, make sure everything's gonna be a perfect fit for you. Then what we do is get you scheduled right there and then we'll give a call right to the office, get you scheduled right up. Hopefully in about a week or two weeks, we'll get everything going. Our installers will come out, get you a nice, beautiful installation spend as much time as they can with you to make sure you answer all your questions and then at the very end we're going to follow up just make sure you have everything that you need and the nice thing we've always talked about is that service is very important to us so if anything does go wrong please give us a call and we have that service department to make sure they can answer any of your questions
1: start to finish how long and i guess that depends on whether the product that they choose is in stock correct
6: We want to make sure that uh, we look at the different products. So we've been doing this for, I've been doing this for over 20 years. So we do stock about four or five different inserts. Those would be our fast track inserts. We could get you done in about two weeks from start to finish. If you want to order something that's more decorative, ornate, something that we don't stock, it's going to take you uh, approximately about three to five weeks, depending on what you pick, but either way, Depending on if you want to get fast tracked or if you want to get something that's a little bit more fancy.
1: And you have showrooms from Bellevue down. To the portland area we have listeners of mitch unfiltered all over the west coast so why don't you identify where these places are
6: yep uh, again our flagship store is there in bellevue right there in the corridor of bellevue we can help you out with whatever you need uh, we also have our kent location and puyallup for the south end people but down in uh, the oregon area we have one that's conveniently located in Tualatin or up in the beaverton area
1: great they are an unbelievable football season partner hopefully all year round one of these days start your shopping at firesidehomesolutions.com.
2: Unfiltered.
7: I am going with Iowa over Minnesota. It's a very short line Three. inside of a field goal. Three. Let's let's go let's go Hawkeyes.
0: That's a good
7: Virginia Tech right now is a very slight favorite. Yes. I think Miami is your cherry. Annie Diaz searching for answers on the sideline. King, the RPO, and there's another big play.
0: Mark Pope to the end zone for the touchdown. And the first lead of the
1: afternoon for number nine, Miami. Miami. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back, and I don't mean just literally, I mean figuratively as well. The Sunday... The cherry, I don't even know why I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Rick Neuheisel.
7: You're back, Rick Neuheisel. Oh, I'm so happy I could please you. I struggled so over the week that was, uh, given the fact that I was so dismal in the picks that I offered previous week. But I'm glad that uh, all is well. Thank you, Mitch. I love the fact that the
1: Sunday, the ice cream, the fudge, the caramel, it was on a Friday. I think it was a Friday game. I think the Iowa pick over Minnesota was a Friday game. So we had already delivered on the Sunday, and we just waited for the cherry on Saturday. I like that. I like the way
7: that worked out. It worked out beautifully, and uh, we were lucky to get the cherry at all because Miami played with a bunch of guys missing because of COVID, and uh, barely uh, made the decision to actually play the game, but uh, they were fortunate. They got the win over Virginia Tech, a much uh, needed win for the hurricane program as they remain remain a top 10 team in the country and uh, good for Manny Diaz. All right, we'll come back to the
1: picks here in a moment. Uh, But first, let's talk about some of the headlines from college football this past weekend anyway. I don't know what the headline is. You got the SEC ravaged by COVID cancellations out here. Washington finally played in a football game. I don't know if you stayed up late enough to watch that on Saturday night. We got the Cincinnati question and the BYU question. What was, in your estimation, the headline from Saturday in college
7: football news? Well, unfortunately, the, the headline was 15 games being canceled. We had Greg Sankey on our air on CBS on Saturday, and he said, you know, much of it was just contact tracing, which has been the story. But there's no question we're going to have to make a calculated effort to get everybody back to understanding the rules of engagement here and really, really focus if we're going to make it to the finish line on time. Now, certainly we can extend it. But then what are you asking of these kids, especially non-compensated student-athletes? Mm-hmm. What are we asking of them over their Christmas vacations and such if, they're going to, if we're trying to extend just so that we can get a college football season in? So hopefully everybody will do their due diligence and, and we can get there in the amount of time left and with very few hiccups.
1: Let's get to the Cincinnati question. A big winner. I know that there was talk of running up the score. What'd they do, fake a punt? Yeah, the game. And they, <laughs> and they ran a 75 yard touchdown on the final play of the game. The coach said fake was not planned. We would not want to do that in that situation. And there was a meeting of the coaches between Cincinnati. Who was it? Cincinnati and Cincinnati.
7: Eastern Carolina, Eastern yes. Caroli- East Carolina, East, East, East Carolina. Carolina,
1: right. The Pir- pirates. Did, the you pirates. Have, did you have
7: a, did you ever have a coaching issue at? The- oh, Mitch, <laughs> did we really have to bring this up? As I saw that on Friday night, I go, I'm going to be asked about this. <laughs> this is going to happen to me in, in 1995. I was a first year head coach at Colorado. Yeah. And we won a, our final game against Bill Snyder in Kansas state to earn a berth in the Cotton Bowl, the January 1 Bowl. Got it. Big, big uh, opportunity for the Colorado Buffaloes. And our opponent were the Oregon Ducks, Mike Belotti. Uh-huh. Uh, my good friend was the head coach there. Now, good Now, because- this is
1: pre-hat, right? This is this is pre-hat. <laughs>
7: <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is pre-hat, pre-dancing on the O, yeah. pre-all that. Okay. So, with about five minutes left... Yeah. Uh, we've got a comfortable lead, but they got everybody up. They've got 11 man pressure. They think their chance to get this uh, game turned any chance they have to block this punt. And I'd had a couple of punts blocked that year. So I went to my special teams coach. I go, is the fake ready? And he goes, yes. I go run it. He got a grin on his face, knowing that of course he won't be blamed for it. I'll be blamed for it. And so we decide we're going to run this punt, Mitch. I swear to you, on on the graves of my ancestors that i then had a conscious alert like a red light went off in my head going you can't do this and i turned back and i went to bobby hauck and i said bob call it off he goes okay so he signaled out there to a up back by the name of ryan black who was a fifth year senior mitch Mm -hmm. and ryan black looked back at us and i'll never forget as he looked over to the sideline he shook his head like a pitcher would shake off the curveball signal (laughs) And I said, is that him telling you that he got it? He goes, that's him telling us he's going to do it anyway. <laughs> and we literally threw the most open fake punt. How many ahead were you at the time? I think we were ahead 32 to six. Oh,
1: my God.
7: I know we were ahead 32 to six. <laughs> There's no reason to say I think we were ahead 32 to six. Okay. And the fake punt works like a charm. And you would have thought, all hell broke loose oh, no. amongst those who had stayed for the final moments in a very inclement day in Dallas, Texas. Uh-huh. And uh, the duck fans then congregated at the exit <laughs> of the cotton bowl. After I had these same words that you saw on television with Mike Belotti, who was disappointed, but still gracious. Give him credit. What'd
1: he say? Still gracious,
7: What'd but he disappointed. Uh, and I went to the, to the, to the tunnel to leave the field and these three fans I'll never forget it and I and I'm telling you this is gospel they were looking over the tunnel and I'm walking out with my then three-year-old son Jerry who's now 28 so you can get an idea how long ago this was and I'm looking up and these guys are yelling every name known to man at me oh. calling me every, and my three-year-old's like looking at him like because <laughs> it looked like Huey, Dewey, and Louie with their hats right the it was a struggle to get my kid to ever go to uh, Disneyland after that. It uh, was, it was a horrible thing. Uh, it was a horrible thing, but I'm telling you, you it, it, Luke fickle will regret having had that happen. He will regret having had that happen because it just makes you feel bad. I mean, we know how hard this profession is. There's no reason to rub anybody's nose in it unless there's something that you're, you know, serving notice that you, somebody did that to you. And it just, uh, it, it just was a terrible feeling. What did Bilotti say to you? He was good. He was good. He goes, that was disappointing. That was it. That's all and I say. said, I apologize uh, <laughs> but because I really did try to call it off, but I didn't get it called off
1: to this moment. And, does Mike Bilotti know that you tried to call it off or no? Oh, yeah. it yeah, a, Mike, yeah. Mike
7: and I, Mike and I have, uh, you know, for all the angst that was, you know, between Washington and, uh, Oregon and and all the consternation between the two programs and with me and, and Oregon and such. Uh, Mike and I and Nick Aliotti, who is a longtime staff member there, we're, we're good buddies. So we get we had we over it. I mean, no one forgets it, but it's but uh, it, it was a regret of mine for a long time. Talk to me about the Cincinnati
1: Bearcats at seven and BYU at eight. And everybody wondering, I guess maybe this is a sign of the fact that we didn't have a lot of SEC football last week. And everybody's wondering aloud. Could somehow some way a Cincinnati or BYU sneak its nose into the final four?
7: I don't think they can make it to the final four. I had hoped and I had been beating the drum loudly uh, that we should expand the playoff. this this being such an unusual year, yeah. Yeah. the inability for the committee to really weigh crossover competition, you know, teams playing one another from other conferences and trying to draw some calculations from that. That's not even possible that this would have been the perfect chance to get teams like Cincinnati and BYU in the uh, college football playoff. But they're hell-bent to stay at four. And if that be the case, I don't see it happening. And maybe one of the good things that will come from this, Mitch, is the fact that Cincinnati did fake that punt. It can be construed as such that Luke Fickle felt like he needed to run it up. He's trying to impress the pollsters, you know, the committee, uh, to, to give them the consideration. And if that's the kind of... Activity that is being uh, is being created because we only have room for four, and it's the usual suspects always that are going to take those spots. Maybe yep. that is time to expand.
1: Rick Neuheisel each and every week on Mitch Unfiltered, presented by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app, reminding you to order ahead before you arrive, and your meal will be awaiting you at the door. I've got all of these little things. I've got to find out your thoughts on some of these. First of all, Dylan Morris is the is the answer. To the riddle that we waited until the yes. second week in November to see. According to Jimmy Lake, he start. well, the other guy was hurt, but he started Dylan Morris. Dylan Morris won the job because he minimized his mistakes. That was the quote after the game that Washington survived against Oregon State. He minimized the mistakes. They did not look like, to my eye, a very explosive passing offense. So the question is, That I ask you and everybody else in 2020, do you want the guy who minimizes the mistakes but has very little, at least at the stage of his career, the team's got very little kind of explosiveness to him? Or do you want the guy that might be a little more explosive because he's more experienced that might make a mistake, more of a mistake here and there?
7: It depends on how explosive a guy is going to be. I'll, I'll, I'll point to the program at Georgia, right? Kirby Smart's got a wonderful program there at Georgia, and he had a kid, this kid by the name of Jake Fromm. Sure. And Jake Fromm was, you know, very, you know, adept at handling the offense, managing it, if you will. 17 of 24 was a usual number. And if you go look back and look at Dylan Morris's lines, it's very close to that, right? You're not going to ask too much of him. Well, Jake Fromm held on to the job, held on to the job, such to the point that all of a sudden Justin Fields walked out the door and now Justin Fields is a Heisman Trophy candidate playing for Ohio State and going to be probably two pick in the NFL draft I still think Trevor Lawrence will go number one well that is as much as you enjoyed what Jake Fromm did you have to see if there's someone else now if there's no one else on the roster that fills the talent uh, gap like a Justin Fields then you're fine. But it is a precarious position when you start building the confidence of a freshman quarterback. And if Dylan Morris starts to play really well, the kid they have committed coming in, Sam Heward, now will start wondering, am I coming to a place where there's a freshman quarterback that's playing? When am I going to get to play? Mm. Justin Fields ended up coming to a situation like that, but then was used so sparingly he left. As a young head coach, Jimmy Lake's got to ponder those questions. It's not to say that you don't play your best player, but if Sam Heward rolls onto campus and he is explosive, like I've read the reviews of his play, then you can't be afraid to move him aside like Dabo Sweeney moved aside Kelly Bryant for Trevor Lawrence.
1: Michigan and Penn State. Michigan lost 49-11. to 11. Penn, Penn State can't win a game shocking results from, well, no, I mean, the Wisconsin win is not a shocker. I think the Wisconsin was, spo- uh, Wisconsin was supposed to win, but they beat them 49-11. Jim Harbaugh can't get out of his own way. And then you've got Penn State that can't win a game. What do you think?
7: Let's let's talk on three programs there. Let's first start with Wisconsin because there's good news there. That was a wonderful, wonderful effort. And Paul Crist, this is going to sound funny, Paul Crist is basically doing what Jim Harbaugh did in the pack. 10 and then 12 that's this is what he's doing he is building up you know extra uh gaps along the line of scrimmage with more tight ends and fullbacks and things and being ultra creative with it and mauling people and now he's got a quarterback like harbaugh happened on to andrew luck that can spin the ball down the field on all these play actions that are created by the formationing. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. He's got a great defense and Wisconsin's a real threat to the college football playoff, especially if it ends up that they don't actually get to play Ohio state in a final game because, because of who knows what happens, right? That that game's unable to be played. Wisconsin looks the part. Now let's get to the troubled programs, Michigan, is without a compass they're not sure who they are the quarterback is running football plays he's not running an offense it doesn't feed off of itself he doesn't have a great understanding of what's trying to be done Uh, if this then that you know if i'm going for this throw or this deep throw and then i'm checking down he his eyes wander without schedule to him and with that all said that being asked of a guy without a running game is too much And therein lies your problem and add to it that uh, Don Brown, the defense coordinator, does not have all the pieces defensively and they look like uh, they're getting just beat up. So Michigan is a real problem for Jim Harbaugh because the expectations are so high because his, his salary and his staff salaries are so high. I mean, is, so much is made of yeah. you know the great Jim Harbaugh and all of the Don Brown and I think there's four guys on that staff outside of Jim that are making north of uh, seven figures. So it's a it's a it's a big issue and it's a problem and we'll see what the answer is. They got Rutgers this weekend. Michigan fans have to just be like, no, this can't really yeah. be happening. Yeah. But we'll see. Penn State, Penn State, kind of a decimation thing. You know, they lost two running backs. Uh, they lost their best. Uh, linebacker Micah Parsons uh, who opted out their quarterback is not McSorley like he's he's a good player but he's not got the same savvy McSorley where you always kind of find a way to make something magic happen and so they're rudderless they put in another quarterback uh, a kid by the name of Levis uh, Will Levis goes in there and tried hard but you know, it was a great win for Nebraska, but Penn State's on the ropes. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of pride they exhibit because they're taking on an Iowa team that looked pretty good this last weekend.
1: The emotion of college football, Rick. A touching moment. I watched the Indiana coach who's having a oh, hell yeah. of a season hug and kiss his son who got hurt on the field, was carted off with a serious leg injury. Indiana, I guess it's 4-0 with – Who, Ohio State coming up next? Is that right? Yes. Great story for the Hoosiers. But what an unbelievably touching moment in Big Ten football.
7: Listen, Tom Allen is as authentic as they come. There is no question that he wears it on his sleeves. And there were a couple of moments uh, in that game, and even games previous this year, that you can see how much he is emotionally invested into the ball game. And, you can only imagine that his son has that same kind of heartbeat, right? That it's going to be the all or nothing going to, we're going to you know put a line in the sand and you ain't crossing this, right? We're going to die on that beach. And to see him carted off the field, knowing that the likelihood is he's probably not going to play anymore in such a special kind of season that you know how much time and energy and investment went into it for both Tom and son that was hard to look at that you you can only feel the pain and the real fatherly pain that tom was feeling and to go back and have to be the head coach again it was difficult but but it it reminds us that these are youngsters and it reminds us that this is an emotional game that requires an emotional investment that's why we love it so
1: while we're on the topic of father son i saw that jerry rice's kid who's a wide receiver at colorado rick caught a 34yard touchdown against Stanford over the weekend his first touchdown catch how easy is it to to be a wide receiver in 2020 with the last name of rice <clears throat> walking around <laughs> with the last name of rice that cannot be an easy an easy situation for that young man
7: good for him it was fantastic and just so you know Mitch I coached Jerry's oldest son Jerry rice jr oh, oh. at UCLA oh there was a game where Jerry ended up being one of our top three receivers we were playing cal and uh jerry jr had two or three catches and was fantastic in the ball game and uh, jerry senior was there and absolutely thrilled to watch his boy have that kind of moment in a, in a PAC 12 game. So I can only imagine how much fun that was for Jerry senior to watch his, uh, his then second son to have that kind of fun with uh, my old teammate, Carl Durrell, who I'd like to say congratulations to as the Buffaloes find themselves two and
1: I can only imagine, I can't imagine what it must be like to be the son of a hall of fame, anything, whether it's a football player, an athlete, a baseball player, whatever it is, business guy, to have to, to have to walk around and picking the same occupation. Well, not the occupation, but playing football as a rice. I yeah, don't the know. Expectations, gosh, the expectations hard. for these
7: kids must be off the charts yeah. and to try to live up to that. But uh, I can tell you this. As the father of uh, a son who had a you know, magic moment throwing a touchdown pass against Texas, I can tell you that Jerry Sr. had more fun watching that than anything he did individually yeah. with the 49ers. it's just so much more fun watching your kid do it
1: i'd like to call the army two lane trick play did you see that i'd like to call that (laughs) i'd like to call that the trick play that gives all trick plays a bad name
7: (laughs) i would agree yeah that was well if there's a team we can forgive it would be the black knights yeah because the black knights average uh, you know i think they had three games last year uh mitch where they didn't even throw a forward pass So the fact that they were trying a major lateral here (laughs) that had to cover somewhere between 20 and 25 yards in the air, a uh, kickoff return where they just threw back trying to get it to the opposite side of the field and got it picked off for a touchdown. I I think it's okay. I I think we're going to give them a pass on this. And uh, just say, hey, chalk that up to experience. Stick with the triple option. Did like you
1: have this. any trick plays in in specialty? Well, obviously, you had a fake punt. We, we, we know yes.
7: that. Yeah, that one went we, really know, well. We know that.
1: But how about in the return game? Did you have any? I mean, he heaved it across. I've never seen an interception on a <laughs> kickoff return in my life. Now, I know it doesn't go down as an interception
7: because it's a lateral, obviously. But it was like... Well, you a, saw a couple weeks ago, Rutgers have that... Stanford band yeah, type play yeah, with yeah, yeah, a lateral to left. Well, Rutgers had a punt return <laughs> the very next week that did the same thing that you saw <laughs> with army. They ran all the way to the right and threw a pass lateral backward pass across the field that ended up being running for a touchdown. That, that that Rutgers has had some of the most creative ways to score this year than you'll ever see. Oh, God. This uh, idea <laughs> somehow landed in the uh, the hallways of West Point, and yeah. <laughs> they didn't quite get that, I all, th- th- all of the notes. I don't <laughs> think it's still
1: in the hallways. I think it's yeah. been uh, cleaned up uh, at this particular point. I don't think we'll be seeing exactly. that again. So now, so, so now the listeners of Mitch Unfiltered want to know. Is the chef on a roll? Is the dessert chef on a roll now? Is this an aberration? Should we be skeptical? Should we be cynical? I mean, after a couple of really bad weeks, he comes through in flying colors with the best, the most delicious Sunday we've ever had, a great tasting Sunday with a cherry. So the question is will he follow it up with another classic or are we going back to the way
7: we were the previous couple of weeks? I want to remain humble. (laughs) I want, to, you know, the great chefs don't have to tell you that they're great chefs. <laughs> okay. They just basically say I would love to serve you a meal. Okay. And uh please allow me.
1: All right. I'm so ready. I'm ready for I'm a meal. Going I'm going to hungry.
7: offer as our main course. <laughs> yeah. Wake Forest over Duke. Over Duke. Wake Forest was in a score-a-thon with North, North Carolina this last weekend. Okay. And I believe the Demon Deacons, along with Sam Hartman, are a team that can score and score easily over Duke. And I think it's a, like a six-point line. Wake, Wake Force is the
1: favorite, obviously.
7: Yes, Wake is the favorite. But I'm going to take Wake over the Blue Devils. Okay. As a cherry, yep. I am going to offer Cincinnati.
1: Oh, we're back to Cincinnati.
7: The Bearcats over UCF. Now, UCF is dangerous. We know they're capable of big numbers because Dylan Gabriel is their quarterback, and they have averaged over 600 yards per game this year. But Cincinnati's strength is in their secondary, and again, they are on a mission. Okay. They are on a mission to prove they are the Power Five's best. Okay. Oh, excuse me, the group of five's best. Yeah. And uh, I think this will be a settling point that that is the case. What's the number on that
1: game? I don't have it in front of me. Must I be think big favorites.
7: it's Cincinnati by four. Oh, only four? Only four. I think only it's a four. cheap line. And remember, Cincinnati held the same UCF team to just 24 points a year ago. Okay. And Dylan Gabriel is playing at a much higher level this year than he was last. Well, my reaction to that. Pick- I would like now to offer nuts. Oh, we're going we through. Have, we're going through. We're going for the trifecta. We have Sunday. <laughs> we've got ice cream yeah we've got cherry yeah i'm offering nuts yes, yes. hopefully you are not allergic to no. the nuts no no and i am offering san jose state well i'll tell you if i'm allergic next week at this time but- <laughs> the undefeated spartans who are coached by a kid that i coached at ucla oh we're all getting old. brent brennan a walk-on wide receiver for me He was actually a GA on my first staff at Washington. Oh, my God. Brent Brennan is is now the head coach at San Jose State. And he has absolutely sparked the career of Nick Starkle, who was first a quarterback at Texas A&M, transferred to Arkansas, and now is at San Jose State. And the two of them have combined for magic in the great city of San Jose State. And the Spartans find themselves undefeated. And they are taking on Fresno State at Pickham. And we're taking the spark. We're taking San
1: Jose State as the nuts. So we've gotten a Sunday, we've gotten a cherry, and we've gotten the nuts. Now, those that are cherry observers would say the chef either doesn't believe in karma with fake punts or he thinks the karma will wait a week to get back into <laughs> Cincinnati's bad graces.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought that over too. Would karma be a factor here? But I think. I think Uh, that he's coaching these kids, and the and the the march is on for Cincinnati. Okay. And uh, Desmond Ritter is playing outstanding, and he didn't have anything to do with the uh, the fake punt. Ice cream, Wake Forest, cherry, Cincinnati,
1: nuts, San Jose State, right? That is correct.
7: Okay. Oh boy. Hopefully, we're talking about the perfect Sunday (laughs) a week from now.
1: (laughs) That's beautiful. There he is, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Washington wins. Finally gets to play a football game. It wasn't as easy as some people thought it was going to be when we watched the beginning of that game. Washington beats Oregon State. We've got, hopefully, the return of SEC football this week, and everybody will stay safe. I hope you stay safe, Rick Neuheisel. Thanks for being back on Mitch Unfiltered.
7: Who's better than you, my friend? Have a great week.
1: Love, love, love the weekly visits from Rick Neuheisel, presented by Taco Time, obviously, and Taco Time's Northwest app. Just download the app, make your order, order ahead, and your meal will be waiting for you just inside the front door of your favorite location. Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered, a great partner. And still, Jordan, an incredible time to look at purchasing, look at refinancing, Because the numbers remain so low, and it looks like they're going to remain low for a long time.
3: Yeah, it's great to be back on, Mitch. Thanks for having me back. Rates are incredibly low still for purchases and refis. They're still in the high twos right now with everything going on, and they're going to be staying low for uh, the foreseeable future.
1: So what's the rule of thumb? You've got a listener here listening to Jordan Flowers, hearing Jordan Flowers from time to time on the podcast and wondering if it's best to pick up the phone and call him or some other mortgage person, what numbers do they need to see on their 30-year fix that would encourage them to at least consider a refinance?
3: Yeah, I'd say still looking at 3.25, 3.375 or above is uh, at least warrants a phone call, depending on how long you've been in that mortgage. Maybe we can cut off five to seven years or just lower the interest rate with the same payoff term or look at other options as far as a new 30 year fixed or pulling cash out to do some uh, home renovations or take care of some things you've been thinking about needing to do. So anything that's about three and a quarter, 3.375 or higher. I
1: think the common misconception uh, in the business is, oh, I've got to start all over the clock goes back to zero and 30-year starts all over. That's not necessarily the case. There are a million ways to do this, including a common one, which keeps you right where you are in your mortgage.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it is a common thought, and a lot of companies do just have kind of your standard 20- or 30- or 15-year options. Uh, We do kind of customize that 30-year option where we can set it to any Term of months, however far into your payment you are, we can set it at 21 and a half months, 22 months, 27 months or 27 years, whatever they're need we can look at.
1: So I want to go about the business of checking into this. How long is the phone call with you and what kind of information do I need to have ready that you're going to ask me about?
3: Yeah, if you call in, it's probably five to seven minutes. If you've got your mortgage statement, most recent statement available, that has all the information on it for us to run some quick numbers and see if it makes sense to move forward and get a little more detail than the application in. And the phone number I call? Cell phone's 425-890-2957. Office line is 425-250-3145.
1: An opportunity for a lot of us to save a lot of money every single month with a five to seven minute phone call. He has compiled a great team Jordan Flowers has. It's the Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage.
2: Unfiltered.
0: And the 2020 Masters, the long-awaited Masters has a long-awaited champion
3: in Dustin Johnson. It's always tough to get it done in a major, um, no matter how good you're playing. It's just, it's hard. I, I was nervous all day. I could feel it. I mean, you know, the Masters to me is, you know, it's the biggest tournament. It's the one that I wanted to win the most. And so, yeah, I mean, I felt it all day. And, you know, I'm just very proud of the way I handled myself and the way, way I finished off the golf tournament.
1: Well, six months delayed. The 2020 Masters tournament has finally come and gone. A former PGA Tour winner and our friend Ken Green will always be remembered at Augusta for a variety of reasons, good and bad. He's back with us to put it into words. How are you, Kenny? I'm really good, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I suppose we should begin with Augusta National in November. Uh, the players of this era have never seen the golf course like that. You might have never seen the golf course
8: like that. No, no one did. I mean, it, uh, I mean, the people can clearly see it. it it basically was just like a normal golf course, you know, that the softness killed them. And for the life of me, despite the fact that they have the sub air and the heat underneath, why in today's world, they don't put tarps on the greens when they know it's coming in, like it did Wednesday night and and all day, Thursday early. Mm -hmm. If they put tarps on those greens, the the greens could have been, you know, normal speed. And I I don't get it, but it's you'll see a huge difference. Come April. They're, they're, there's going to be the, re- the revenge. <laughs> the revenge is coming.
1: Did the course conditions compromise the enjoyment for you, Ken, watching it from afar?
8: Well, it, it, it did for me in the sense that it didn't, it didn't matter where you hit it. You know, the rough was as thick as it's ever been, and yet a ball was stopping within five feet. I still think it, it, it determined, the, you know, the, the winner was the guy who played the best. You know, I think he clearly uh, played better than everybody else. But it, it 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 lacked the magic that Augusta always has, you know that excitement, you know the roars, the, the screams, and you know I don't I don't know how the viewers thought, but I, it just it, it just wasn't the same. Should they have played it? Yeah, I mean I, I do I, I think it's okay, you know it's still the Masters, and you know life happens, and you and you you know you you can't say well if we can't have it this time of year it's it's no good. So I I do think they they made the right call by playing it. They just got unlucky with the weather and not having, quote, my tarps.
1: Any question who the best player in the world is right now? He was coming in. He's a different guy. I don't know whether you know him. I don't know him. Uh, He doesn't – he's a man of few words. He doesn't have a lot to say. We finally saw him get choked up after uh, the green jacket was placed on his shoulders. We've never really seen emotion from him. That was a little different. What do you think of Dustin Johnson, the player? What do you think of Dustin Johnson, the man?
8: Well, I don't know him well enough to comment on the man, you know, I – I know he's had some issues in life and as we all do, and hopefully he'll get through those. But as a golfer, in my opinion, there's no doubt who has the most talent and has had the most talent in the last 10 years. It's just a question of, can he get driven? You know, does he have the motivation? And even though he's won quote 24 times, this is a guy who should probably have 45 wins right now. Mm -hmm. And, his earlier life escapades may have put a little, you know, a little stop on that, but he's, there's no doubt who I think is is the the best golfer on, on the planet.
1: Will this open him up, you think, to win a bunch more? They asked that same question after, I mean, he's won at Oakmont and Augusta national. That's a pretty good duo, right? We'll take that.
8: Yeah, absolutely. It's well, I mean, you know, if you think about it, he's been in the hunt so many different times. So they talked about it a little last night about, you know, Inability to hold a 54 lead. Nope. This will help. And he's got what I call a good eight years of great golf ahead of him. I think he can play great golf up till about 43. And then it it starts, you know, slowing down a little bit. Mm. I would be stunned if he doesn't get up to 35 wins and and a couple more majors.
1: The storyline coming in actually even bigger than tiger woods and we'll get to tigers 10 at the 12th here in a minute but the storyline coming in you and i both know and you and i visited about this the last time you were on the show bryson de chambeau how was bryson de and his additional length gonna gonna handle the masters what is it gonna do to the game what is it gonna do the golf tournament well it was basically a flop he got a terrible break on the third whether we like him or not i mean he I don't know how they don't find that ball. He has to go back to the tee, and it seemed like it was just downhill or uphill, however you want to say it, from there. What did you think was going to happen going in and now coming out, watching – and he did hit the ball in places, Ken, that nobody's ever imagined before. Some of the drives on number two. What was he hitting? Nine iron into a two? It's crazy.
8: Yeah. Craziness. It's, yeah. It's, it's crazy, and, and we have not seen the real effect because this was November. That drive on two in April is going to go another 30 yards. He has the potential, to, if he if he plays halfway decent, to wipe everybody out. Now he just, it wasn't the driver that was so bad. His irons were pathetic, as pros go, of course. But yeah. uh, I mean, it was just awful, and he, he just wasn't there. Now I don't know, you know, only he knows what's going on inside the noggin. You know, was he expecting too much? You know, he he's so hard on himself you have to wonder is this there's intensity and then there's above and beyond intensity. And he's in that stage. And if he doesn't pull it back a little, I mean, it's like he's waiting to, to explode mm-hmm. and, he, you know, golf hard. You're not going to win every tournament. You know, the, the Jack Nichols and the Tiger Woods and their prime don't come along very much. And Bryson is, is, he's trying to open up a brand new door of let's just play stupid golf and whack the crap out of it and see what happens. And, you know, it just didn't work, but what will happen at a British open? Think about this. No one, no one's really brought that up. His drives at the British open are going to, are going to go 400, 450 yards. <laughs> They're gonna, he's going to be driving par fours left and right. If it goes straight. Yeah. But in a, when it doesn't, that's where you pay the price. And it's only time will tell how many, how many more good tournaments he has versus, Oh boy.
1: It sounds like you think if he plays his irons half decently in April, there's a chance, and if he putts a little bit, there's a chance he'll lap the field, Dustin Johnson or no Dustin Johnson. You think that Bryson DeChambeau has a chance in April, if he puts a decent week together, to really run away? And then what does the Masters... I I do, absolutely. And then what do they do?
8: Then what's the Masters going to do? Well, that's the unknown factor. You know, it's like Tiger said it, when he won, wiped the field out in 97, he was hitting sandwiched every hole well, this is what Bryson's going to be doing, even though they have lengthened the thing almost as far as they can go. Augusta w- will not accept a someone wiping them out in April. November, they'll let slide because it's, you know, the weather conditions are all varied. But in April, if Deschambeau goes there and, and wipes out, shoots a 23 under par, and the next guy is 10 or something like that, they're going to make some changes. And, you know, if you want to play it at Augusta, you're – you'll make the changes too. Mm. The only reason nothing's being done is because everybody's afraid. It's just a question of do we want to bring golf and shot making back to the game or is the world okay with just fire and go, fire and go? You know, I don't know what the right answer. Everyone has a different – opinion. I I obviously think my answer is right and you probably think your answer is right. Right. So you know, it's it's going to be up to the powers to be it what they do.
1: Do they need to change the rule? What about that third hole on Friday? He hits it for the listeners who don't know. He's on Friday. He's in a big drive, a sweeping, a sweeping hook to the third green, trying to drive the ball on the green. It was about five or six yards off the fairway. That's it. And TV cameras show that you know the ball didn't go anywhere except for in the ground. It was clearly embedded somewhere in the wet turf, and nobody could find it. He feels obviously, geez, come on. I I hit it five yards off the fairway. It's obviously embedded. There should be a rule that allows me some sort of relief. I shouldn't have to go back to the tee and play stroke and distance. How does Ken Green feel about that?
8: I I agree with him. And if if everyone that's playing in the group says the ball plugged in that area, if it's a wet area, and I'm pretty sure you can can do it, but maybe they didn't consider it a wet area. But if everyone agrees that that's where it went and it's clearly – you know, it has to be plugged because nobody else saw it. Golf's hard enough. We, we have to be smarter with, with some of our rules. Augusta could do whatever they wanted. Yeah, trust me. If Augusta wanted to say we're going to a drop, they can because they play by their rules. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to. So, in my opinion, that's a we're not a fan of of Deschambeau because they you know they have a rule there that uses a relief if they think it's crowd damage. Where have you ever heard of that in a in a quote? U.S. Open or a British Open or a PGA or any tour event, it plays favorites under that kind of style, so to speak. But it'll be interesting to see what happens because it's uh, you know golf's kind of at risk, and you know we got another enough issues, you know regarding golf. Whether it's still going to be as popular 15, 20 years from now, but, uh, you know we got to you always got to keep moving forward, and you got you know you got to outthink the future, so to speak.
1: Tiger's ten at the twelfth. We've seen the twelfth. Uh, be famous. We've seen the 12th be infamous over the years. I mean, just last year, for goodness sakes, Tiger won the tournament because of what his opposition did at the 12th. We don't see Tiger make 10s very often on short par 3s. What'd you think of that? And that what, what's your What's your relationship? What was your relationship with that hole,
8: Ken? To my knowledge, I've, I've hit it in the water a little twice. One was an absolute perfect shot. I was 5 under, through 11, and it was a front pin, and that was in the day that it, it if you came up a tad short, it, ro- it rolled all the way back. Uh, and I literally hit eight inches short of the green, and it rolled all the way back. And the other was uh, just a whiff shank, to, you know, like uh, you know, like most of them do when the pins under it are in the right corner. Yeah, You know, it was unfortunate. But, you know, the, the thing I got out of it was Tiger couldn't do anything for the first, you know, 11 holes. You know, the putts weren't going and nothing was going. You know, he makes the 10. He's like, all right, come on, I'll just let it go. And all of a sudden, he buried four of the last six holes. So what I would like the average fan to get out of this is you can't try too hard in golf. The more harder you try, chances are you'll spin your wheels. You only want to go one notch above trying. Really? Yeah. And then that's when you'll play your best golf. It's like Tiger knew he couldn't even let us go to vent, so he just let it go. And this is the greatest player in the modern era, you know, besides Jack. And it just goes to show you what effect it our brain has in the game of golf. To me, it's just like, that's a perfect example. If the average fan can understand, did you know, everybody that goes out there, sometimes they're trying so damn hard that they end up playing worse. Yeah. And that's a perfect example. If pros do it, you got to understand that you just got to go out and play. Just let it happen. Relax and go. Yeah. and then think afterwards.
1: You got to have a little I don't give an f, right?
8: Right. A Absolutely. Little, and yep. you
1: know what, while we're talking about it, Dustin Johnson comes across as a guy who is able to do that. That's kind of maybe what frees him up to to go so low on occasion. You know, he wins these some of these golf tournaments he wins by 8, 10, 11. You know, he shoots crazy scores. He might he might be exactly what you're talking about, Ken.
8: He, he is a perfect example of, you know, who's a flying fart. You know, he just gets up there and whacks it and whacks it. But he's not. It's not like he's careless. He's still, he's trying. Yeah. But he's not over trying. He just gets up and whacks it. Yeah. All right. I'm going to hit my shot and I go whack it. That's the average guy, whether they play a fade 90% of the time or a draw, that's the only shot they should be hitting. All right. I'm going to get up there and whack my, my fade or my hook. And I I promise you, you'll play better golf.
1: Interesting. Very interesting words from Ken Green. And I appreciate that. Um, Before you go. Before the tournament even started, I thought of you, everybody thought of you that's old enough to remember you and Calc skipping balls across 16. You've talked to me about it. We've talked about your little little gambling games that you played and how Augusta National hated the fact that you did it and called you into the office. Yeah. And now you've got John Rahm skipping the ball across, making a hole in one, and the whole world is celebrating. The Masters is celebrating. Everybody's putting it on TV. It was the highlight in the sports world yeah. that day, that Tuesday. I'd imagine you were you were smiling or giggling or scratching your head on that one.
8: I smile on it, you know, and it would have been – it's such a shame that their fans weren't there because the roar that would have happened would have been louder than any Sunday roar ever. Uh. I'm still hoping that eventually they're – that Augusta's is going to give me a, a plaque or two because <laughs> I deserve a, I deserve a plaque right there and I deserve a plaque for the kids uh, caddying in the part of three. I haven't given up hope yet. I uh, think they're going to see the light.
1: <laughs> Did you ever see a guy make a hole in one, skipping it off
8: the, the water? No, I have not. That's the first time. But see, this is how, how much they've embraced that. They use the, the pin where the ball, will actually float towards the, the pin. Right. So the, they're, they're actually encouraging it, and that's <laughs> how much Augusta has changed.
1: You want, a, you want an apology letter for all the grief that they gave you over the years? <laughs>
8: <laughs> no, I'll be okay with just a plaque. <laughs> just a plaque. I'm actually going to have a couple of plaques made up uh, for my nip open here. <laughs> and, and give my own, you know, give my own fame for those two first that I've created, and, and I'm playing with sending them up to, to Ridley and see if they will sign them.
1: Yeah. Well, tell them to to place them on the on the premises. I'm sure I'm sure that that's a very easy thing for them to do to plant those in the.
8: Yeah. Ground. Well, they've got them all over the place. You know, they got the Hogan Bridge, the Nelson Bridge. You know, the Jack this, you know, I I can hope. I'm still hoping. Ah, Let's talk
1: again in April, Ken. It's great to visit with you. I hope you, uh, you and your family are okay. And I appreciate your time again here on Mitch Unfiltered. Thanks for being back on.
8: You got it, big boy. Have a good one.
1: So there's my man, the always colorful Ken Green, pun intended, The 2020 Masters is over, but the 2021 Masters, we won't have to wait for long because in six months, they'll do it all over again in April 2021. Hopefully, the patrons will be back at Augusta National. It'll be more normal of a Masters tournament. Evergreen CEO Tyler Hay is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered, great partner. When you think of a financial advisory firm, Tyler, stocks and bonds advice and investments immediately come to everybody's mind. But Evergreen does for clients, it goes way beyond that, right? Talk to us about that.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think when people think about wealth management or a financial advisor, they think about stocks and bonds and those types of things. But really, that's kind of in the ninth inning. You know, people have a lot of life events that lead up to the point where they have wealth that needs to be managed. So whether they're going through a divorce, whether they're selling a business, whether they're considering selling a business, whether they're inheriting money. There's a whole bunch of life events that go on prior to actually managing the money and we help people navigate those challenges far before they're actually, the money's in their hands.
1: Tax accounting and prep is now a layer also of Evergreen Golf Call, correct?
4: Correct, Mitch. On July 1st, we closed on Sterling Cooter, so we now have a tax advisory component to our firm. So clients don't have to play quarterback in between their financial advisor and their CPA and making sure all the documents go back and forth. We just handle it for them. So for
1: Mitch Unfiltered listeners to find out more about
4: Evergreen Golf Call, they've heard about you for years
1: now on our on our podcast. Start with the website, start with the newsletter.
4: Yeah, they can go to the website and read the newsletter. That gives them a little bit of uh, insight into how we think. And then there's also a, a client uh, compatibility survey that, that kind of helps us identify who might be a good fit for us.
1: Evergreen Golf Call in Tyler, Hey, and the whole crew with offices along the West Coast, it's terrific to have them be a partner of Mitch Unfiltered, Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Other stuff segment, episode 117, we talk Seahawks. Yep. We talk Golden Tee. I'm really good at Golden Tee. I'm 6'7 under. I love that. I could be mistaken. Maybe I'm,
0: maybe I'm 16, <laughs> 17 under.
1: Oh, that's different. Maybe. I don't know. I, I was, Yeah, ask Dustin Johnson. That's a little different. 6 and 7 under versus 16 and 17 under. If you're, if you're 16 and 17 under, yeah, then maybe, you're good at I, it. I probably was. You're really good.
0: There were times when I'd get off the air at 10 a.m. I'd yeah. go to Goldie's on 45th on a Friday, yeah. get a pitcher of beer, a pack of cigarettes, and tons of quarters. I'd just play by just, myself. Really? I love it that much, yes. I was really good. Yeah, I got it upstairs. I, well, as soon as we're allowed to like, you know, mingle with each other you know, without this – you know, six feet apart, I'll, I'll go up there and yeah, play. I can't I, wait. In fact,
1: I, I think we're breaking a rule right now. But uh. we're members of the media, so I think maybe... Are we breaking a rule right no now? No one's calling us essential. They're saying no they're saying no you got to be with your family inside and you're not my family
0: that's true yeah
1: but we all we do a podcast does that count like could we get in trouble for doing this well no because see
0: one of your kids moved out so now i could still have four (laughs) the the capacity hasn't changed it's still four in this house Uh, masters though did you enjoy it like you thought you would or was it weird or what'd you think about it
1: i love the masters i love golf i loved it over the weekend it was It was great. I had a great time watching it. You woke up and you're excited. It wasn't even close to what the normal thing was. Really? Not even close? Yeah. If I'm being honest. Okay. Well, a few things happened that really took the starch out of it, even though... I don't want to be mischaracterized. I still really enjoyed it and watched a ton of it on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and got up really early. Weather delays and did the whole thing. And I just anytime I can watch Augusta National, just that golf course and the greatest players on that, and watch that second nine and thirteen, fifteen, twelve. It's 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 better than any other tournament to watch, even in its current shape. Gotcha. But a. Dustin Johnson ran away with it. He was never really challenged. Uh. There wasn't any kind of intensity and excitement and, and you know... Close calls at the end. I mean, we, we, and then there was no patrons there. There were no roars. There were no, there was no uh, big, it, there, there was just something, there was so obviously something missing. Like every sporting event we've watched so far, NFL, college football, it's all just, I don't weird. really notice it in the NFL as much as I noticed it huh. in the Masters. I, I, I don't know. I don't pay close attention to the NFL. For some reason, the NFL feels the same, even though I know it's different. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, it's
0: going to be different Thursday when the Seahawks would love some fans in the crowd to get them going, yeah. you know. That, yeah. That's when it feels different. Yeah. So
1: I liked the Masters. Okay. I enjoyed the Masters. But there was a few things terribly missing from the Masters.
0: And to no one's fault, just it is what it is.
1: Well, I mean, Dustin Johnson was so much better. I think it would have been better had there been a couple of other big-time world world players you know, world-acclaimed players that were pushing him, okay. and that there were eagles and birdies on the back nine, and there was, uh, you know, seesaw battles. One guy takes the lead. One guy, you know, all of that was missing, and they didn't have fans, and they, you know, no roars, and so there was something. It was a, it was kind of a ho hum last round. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he what he shot 268. That's at the Masters. Yeah, record? he was 20 under. Sheesh. Yeah. It was the best. It was the best performance. Now it was a different golf course. It felt like a different golf course because of the seasonal. It was soft. It was easier. Ah. That's another. That was another thing that was missing from the um, from the overall enjoyment of okay. it. So, yeah, I liked it, but it wasn't the same. Good news is you got one in four months or so? Six. Six months? Okay. Yeah, November to April. There was a lot of hype
0: about Tiger and Rochambeau. What's his, his name? His
1: name is DeChambeau. Yes. 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 Him, him too? Yeah.
0: About them, how they're – this guy Rock, was going to – Rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, what if he played that? That would be sweet. But this Rochambeau guy was, gonna, or DeChambeau was, going to kill the course. He's dry. what? What happened to him, and what happened to Tiger? I mean, there was a lot of hype about those two.
1: Well, what happened? Yeah, I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing. Well, DeDeChambeau. Uh, just didn't have it. Okay. I mean, he was he was bombing the ball to different places that no one's ever seen. He was hitting the ball further than anybody's ever hit it there. Okay. There's no question about like it. He they said hitting, he would. He would. He was hitting irons into par fives like nine irons into two. Whatever. I won't get into the specifics with you. We just had Ken Green on, so the people can listen to that interview. But. Um, he was just sloppy with his iron play and he just didn't have it. He claims he wasn't feeling good, that he thought he had COVID and he went and got tested and he had a member of his team. He woke up and he had lost his equilibrium a little bit. And he wasn't feeling hmm. right. That's what he claims. It it, it felt a little excuse to me. A little sore losery. A little sore. He's yeah. a little bit of a sore loser to begin okay. with. And I just think, do we need to know that? I mean, just keep that in. You don't have to, you don't have to tell us. Yeah. You just didn't have Either it. Either you're gonna week. play
0: or not, right? I mean, and he played. If you're sick. Don't play. He just
1: didn't have it. And then, to his credit, he got he got he got jobbed on a ruling on something crazy happened, and because there were no fans there, it would have never happened if there were spectators. It was just a oh. normal golf tournament. He hit a ball on Friday on the third hole that was like seven yards off the fairway, no big deal, and they couldn't find it it clearly landed and plugged because it was wet. Oh. And there was nobody there, no fans there, nobody there to say, hey, that's right there. So they went looking for it. It was only like five yards off the fairway. It wasn't in bad shape at all, but they couldn't find it. And they called it a lost ball. They made him go back to the tee. And they called, hit him up for the penalty. And he thought, geez, we know it's right in right. this area. It must no be plugged. Took <laughs> nobody took it. I mean, yeah. it's a, I didn't lose it. I mean, I, and they, you know, so he got jobbed a little bit. Okay, But, you know, whatever. Was, and, and Tiger, Tiger was okay. Tiger was on the first page of the leaderboard the first day. That was exciting. That. Yeah, first day. And he was kind of hanging
0: around, and then he got to 12 on Sunday. Tell me about that. I saw a 10 on a hole.
1: Yeah, he, he had Ooh. a 10 on the par 3 12th, which is one of the most famous or infamous holes in the history of golf, the par 3 12th. In fact, what's ironic, if you want to use the word ironic, is he won the tournament last year in one of the most impressive feats we've ever seen in sports at 2019. He won his fifth Masters jacket because everybody went into the water at 12. Oh. He was behind, and all the contenders, one after the other, went right into the water in 12. And he was the only one who played it well, and he ended up winning the tournament as a result. Yeah. So one year later, or 16 or 18 months later, he, he wasn't going to win anyway. He wasn't anywhere near the league. Yeah. But he gets to 12, where essentially he won the tournament 18 months earlier, and huh. he plops one in the water, then he hits. he drops, hits another one in the water— oh. Then he hits it up in the bunker, and hits another one in the water across, oh. and he makes 10. The neat thing about it, as Ken Green pointed out, is he turns around and he birdies five of the last six holes. Oh, wow. Yeah. He played his best golf of the week in the six holes after he made the 10 on the 12th hole. Wow. So...
0: Yeah, I just saw the picture of him. Yeah. looked like he was throwing his club up in the air. He was just, after, he, you know, after his 10th, you he he could see him just pissed. off. You don't off. see
1: that very often. Tiger yeah. Woods taking a 10. A 10.
0: I mean, how, how often does that happen in golf in these tournaments anyway? Well, you I can tired. tell
1: you. No, nah, I won't say. <clears throat> Why? I was going to say I played that hole four times, and the, the worst score I had was four. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure you did. laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I didn't watch a ton of it, but I'm
0: I'm glad you enjoy. I'm glad it was on and pe- people seem to my really enjoy it. It's my favorite thing.
1: Yeah. When it's real and it's normal and it's April, it's my favorite thing in sports. The Masters. So Spring I don't have to wait. I don't have to wait a full year. I just wait six months. Yeah. Right. Uh,
0: that's good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. You ready to go here? Yeah. Legendary Dodgers manager Tommy Lasorda. He's in a serious condition at a Southern California hospital in the ICU with heart issues. He was admitted a week ago and his condition sort of took a turn for the worse. And sources say he's hooked up to a ventilator oh, and he's no. sedated, but. Um, Could be the end. Well, they're saying it's not COVID related. He seems, he's resting comfortably and it seems to have improved a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, we don't, we don't know if it's the end, but um, yeah, not COVID related, but he's. But he's he? not young. Yeah, what I, is he? I think he's 93. I, I don't know why I didn't write it down. I thought I read 93. As you know, he led the Dodgers to eight National League you know, West divisions. He's just Hall of Famer, yeah. Hall of Fame manager, great guy, pitch yeah. man my whole life. I see him slim fast, and you know, I lost 30 pounds. Oh, yeah. Just seems like a, a cool, well, he's the, great baseball guy. He's
1: part of my, my upbringing in sports. How so? What do you mean upbringing? When I got my first internship, I was between my freshman and sophomore years in college. And I got an internship in New York at what they called NBC Radio in New York. It became something later. It became like mutual broadcasting, whatever, in Washington, D.C. But it was NBC Radio in New York. And I was a freshman between my freshman and sophomore years in college. And I went for an internship. I got it. I moved to New York for the summer. And my first day or second day, they give me this assignment, which was called a sports feed. Okay. A sports feed back in the old days where there was no internet or anything else it was a closed circuit feed between NBC and all of its stations around the country. All right. Where you would go on twice a day and you would feed them audio oh, that they could use them. that okay. they could use in your in their sports cast. Gotcha. Okay. And they asked me to do the sports feed. All right. And to do the sports feed, what that entailed was I had to go get the audio. I had to do literally do interviews and then I it was the it was a great experience. It wasn't getting coffee. It right. was a, and the way you did interviews is you had to call guys on the phone and with reel-to-reel tapes record interviews and then splice them using the trace oh, sure. pencil and the blade yep. and put together a six or eight cuts and then go on the feed and this was like my chance even though I wasn't really on the radio I was I was on the feed to the two hundred stations whatever yeah, I
0: mean you're making stuff that's going to go on the radio yes that, that's but, a big deal but, but
1: then you then you go on yourself and say our first cut is and and I was like doing voices I was like doing <laughs> Howard Cosell. But anyway, uh, so uh, this is back in 1980, the summer of 1986. Okay. And you could just call... We're in the middle of the baseball season. There was the little blue book or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. And you could just blue call book. people. They didn't change their name in hotel rooms. It wasn't like everybody. It wasn't The media wasn't like it is. Yeah. There was no internet. You could just call people in their hotels if they were on the road. Sure. And my boss says, I said, who, sh- who should we get today? And he says, this is my second day. He says, let's get Tommy Lasorda or some Dodgers because they were hot or whatever. And they were in Cincinnati. Call him in his hotel. Here's the book. And call him. Do Ask him if he can do an, a, an interview. And... Cut up six or eight cuts and sent them down the on the feet. I was like, this is, this is. Does it get any better than this? Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm this gonna... is my career. This is going to be my highlight of my career.
0: <laughs> Your career. <laughs> I'm going to talk to Tommy Lasorda. That's pretty cool, I think
1: though. I'm going to try, yeah, yeah. but I have to call him. I have to call the, who knows? You might just yell at him. I, mean, I was so freaking nervous. Yeah, no, I've been yelled at by
0: trying to book guests for you oh, and okay. other people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Who was Hacksaw Hamilton. Was it? Hacksaw Hamilton. Oh, he was not nice to me. Really? Oh, he was That's just not. Well, he was just, you know, grumpy. Anyway, go ahead.
1: So I call the, uh, the the hotel in Cincinnati where the Dodgers are staying, front desk. <laughs> and Marriott, Cincinnati. Uh, Tommy Lasorda's room, Jeez. please. Can you spell that? L-A-S-O-R-D-A. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Putting you through. Wow. And it starts ringing. And my whole life is like flashing (laughs) ahead of
0: me. Sweat's coming down. I'm telling you. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm like, part of me was like, please don't answer. Please don't answer. I don't even think they had voicemail back then. Please don't answer. Yeah. It just would go back to the front desk. And all of a sudden I hear, hello. Oh no. And it's like an echo. There's like an echo behind it. Okay. I'm like, Mr. Lasorda, my name is Mitch Levy. And I had like, I had written it. It's right here. It's right here. My name is Mitch Levy. (laughs) I'm calling with NBC Radio in in New York. I was wondering if I could get a few comments about the upcoming road trip in Cincinnati that I could send down to our 245 affiliates. And he says to me, no problem. Call me back in 10 minutes. I'm taking a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. My first day. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: Oh my God, that's amazing. Wow. Did he actually, did you actually call him back? Call him back? Man of his
1: word? He was great. Wow. He was great. He
0: seems like just a a good guy. He was great.
1: He seems like. Here I I was, like 19 years old, right? 1986, 19 years old. I just turned 19 years old interviewing Tommy Lasorda on a phone and having to call him back because he's taking a crap and he, he picked up the phone in the bathroom. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's a fancy hotel back then. <laughs> a phone at the Shitter is a fancy hotel. There you go. You, there's your Tommy Lasorda claim. Wow. Fame. I love my, that. My 15 seconds of, or 15 minutes of of greatness, well, brushed
0: brush with greatness. I hope he gets better. We all love Tommy Lasorda. He yeah. seems like a great guy. So, yeah. All right, Kobe Bryant's childhood home, I told you, was up for sale in Pennsylvania. Yes, yes. Somebody bought it for $810,000. Yes. And the house originally came with the original backboard and hoop where Kobe mastered his game for a lot of oh, years out there. Okay. But the real estate agent wanted to jack the price up on it because of this hoop. This is like a big thing. The person that bought the house said, I'm not willing to pay more for the hoop. So you can just take it off and I'll buy the house for eight ten. dollars so the, the person, the realtor or the, the previous owner took the hoop off yeah. and the backboard and yeah. now they're auctioning it off. So if you want to buy Kobe's childhood hoop and backboard, they say they might get six figures for it, but Kobe stuff's going like crazy as we know.
1: The guy could have had it for nothing?
0: No, the the price...
1: Did the price come down? The price came down.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they were going to tack on a little bit more because of the special hoop and backboard. So anyway, it's going to go up for auction. Did you you hear
1: what happened in Cincinnati with the Bengals last week, Hot Shots Guy? No. The Bengals apparently are decimated by injury to their cornerback position. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. They've lost a few cornerbacks, and they didn't have enough guys to practice. And guess who, who volunteered to play cornerback in practice? Okay, Your buddy, former Washington Husky, John Ross. And at first... They were like, well, we're not really using him at wide receiver. He wants to play cornerback to help us out in practice. They considered, and they were like, okay. And he was so fired up. On the second play, he hurt his foot. He's out for a few weeks. (laughs) Come
0: on. Really? Oh, God. That guy just can't catch a break.
1: Second play as a cornerback. Oh. He's on the injury list. He hurt his foot. People think it's just like you play football. here I am laughing about it. I don't mean to laugh. You know why I'm laughing about it. Yeah. God.
0: I mean – He's trained his body to be a receiver. Now you've got to backpedal and use different muscles. Uh, no, he's just frail. Yeah. Just look at him. Look at his legs. He's just, he's I know. frail. I-, I told you, when he took that big hit against Alabama in the, in the playoffs and disappeared the rest of the game, I was yeah. kind of wondering if that's how he was going to be. Good news. You ready for some good news? Good news. We don't get a lot of good news. Good
1: news. The guy who allegedly sucker punched Rick Moranis is now in police custody. They got him. They got him. How's, has anybody heard from Moranis? I'm waiting to see an interview with him about what happened. Well, I saw kind of a distant, fuzzy yeah. surveillance camera, it's right? Not,
0: it's not great, the yeah. footage that they yeah. have. But, yeah. no, Moranis has been kind of out of the limelight for a long time, so he doesn't do interviews or any of that stuff.
1: He won't even tell us what happened when he got decked in New York on the streets? I think he commented randomly. on
0: it orig- originally and yeah. just said, I'm fine, don't worry about it. But yeah. uh, NYPD caught 35-year-old Marquise Ventura the, in, this wow. weekend in connection with the attack. I know, pretty crazy. I guess they recognized him from some other mug shots somehow. They yeah. remembered his face, and yeah. he was booked on a felony assault charge. Charge. and it, it, the charge went actually up because I didn't know there's a law that if you beat up somebody who's 65 years or older it's upgraded the charge is upgraded
1: don't and, throw a punch at me
0: and, and, <laughs> <laughs> right and, which I think it should be of course but Rick Moranis is a, a ripe 67 years old can't believe it Rick Moranis so yeah this guy's gonna Revenge be
1: Revenge of the Nerds did we decide? no no How why do I always you? say honey I blew up to something uh, honey shrunk I blew the kids. up the children what?
0: honey I shrunk the kids I shrunk the kids but then I think there was honey I blew up the kids maybe a little bit later a couple okay. of movies did after did he do that one too? Oh, he did, he did them all. He did them all. But, yeah, he hasn't really done much. His, his wife passed away, so he oh. quit acting and just took care of the kids and just sort Got of – I think he made enough money to not have to work. But he, he is in a commercial, by the way, for some cell phone company now.
1: Historic hire this week by the Florida Marlins. Is that on that. your list? I have it, yeah. Kim Eng. Love it. Is the first female general manager in major professional sports, 2020. It's great. Here you are in 2020. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy that it hasn't happened until now. Um, I'm very curious to see how this goes, how it's received, how she does. Apparently, I don't know anything about her, but what an impressive resume she has. She's been in baseball for like 30 years. She's photographed. She was part of, I think, Derek Jeter's rookie year in New York and whatever. But uh, she is the first female general manager, and I thought I'd bring that up. In major professional sports. Yeah, she and in, is
0: she the first of many? We'll see. She interned with the White Sox. Interned. Worked her way up. She was assistant general manager with the Yankees and the Dodgers. She was part of like eight World Series teams. And Crazy. Yeah. That's great. Happy for her. That, that's really cool. Congratulations to her. All right. Next time your wife's in Costco buying the five-gallon thing of peanut butter or whatever the hell people buy there these days, right. have a look at their newest item. Chicken bakes. Yeah. Oh, those are good. Do you like them? Love them. Oh, really? Oh. I didn't, I'd See now, I would have oh. said... We got to play Will Mitch Eat It because oh, sometimes
1: I'm wrong. Why wouldn't I eat a chicken base? I don't It's the it's the best thing on the face of the earth. I think they're so good. Oh, my God. They're great. Yeah, they're they got good. like that weird sauce like oh, that. Oh, delightful. Oh, God, I could just take a bath in one. <laughs> Who <laughs> says I haven't? I just stick my face in one. Their,
0: yeah. their newest item is a, a private bin. jet membership.
1: Yeah, I saw this on on, on an internet. Yeah, I, I saw the, the story, but yeah. I, I
0: didn't read it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they're hawking access to the world of private jets for a very reasonable cost of $17,500. Which, by the way, if you're in line, does your debit card work for $17,500? I have a better
1: question, which is, <laughs> when you're getting on the plane that you got at Costco, is there an old man to check your receipt <laughs> <laughs> to make sure that you're not taking something else? <laughs> and do
0: they serve chicken bakes on the these planes they better <laughs> they better or the they hot dogs better. are good they too better. so real real quick here's how it works costco hooked up with wheels up a charter jet company sure offering one-year memberships the company touts its services being like a ride sharing service sure. so yeah yeah, okay. yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah i know wheels right. up
0: yeah. so here's what you get for yourself seven- all the
1: golfers use wheels up
0: okay well here's what you get you get uh, in addition to the one-year membership you get a $3,500 costco shop card and 4,000 in flight credits the package includes a one-year membership to inspirato which offers luxury vacation rentals so yeah. who doesn't want to be in the old pj club I've always wanted to you know, be in that world, private jets. So how much does it cost it. me? 17500 for a one-year membership. You're in.
1: Yeah, but that's not the, the, that's not the end of the cost. There's got to be more cost to, to, to get on the plane. That's just the membership. That's probably just like, well, yeah, if you're a member at a, at a golf club. Now you got to pay to get the plane and the gas, pay and for the, your greens fees. and the hours and <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but at least you're in yeah, the club. I don't, I don't know what the seventeen. I don't think the seventeen five gets you much, but much more than a chicken bake. It <laughs> gets you a very expensive <laughs> almost, chicken, bake. almost worth it. <laughs> so I'm over here on one sixteen p. Yep, gloating over the fact. What was I gloating over on one sixteen p? What was I so excited about I mean, for the patrons? About? No, mm-hmm. I was really gloating. I was really gloating on 116P for the patrons. About something you got right? No. Correct? No, I don't get anything right. Okay, that's true. Gloating. Somebody liked me.
0: Oh, yes. Your old buddy, David Copperfield.
1: Not my old buddy, but I, I sent out a tweet, and he immediately either retweeted or liked me, and I was gloating. Yeah. On one t- I was on top of the clouds until you hit me with, the. Uh, it could be just his people.
0: Yeah, sorry about that. It could be.
1: But it could be him. Yeah, sure. It could be him. He could be staring at his we phone don't all day long. Yeah. And while I'm sitting there gloating, little did I know that my wife would tell me a few days later would send me a picture of your Twitter. Okay. And she said, "Will you please look? This is a a, a text I got from my wife. Yeah. Would you please look at who follows Hotshot Scott? And it said Ellen DeGeneres follows you. No. Yes, way. it did. Okay. What are you look? What are you? What are you shaking she doesn't your head? Follow me. Yes, she does. <laughs> no, it's, yes, a, it's she- a parody account, probably.
0: Okay, because there's a Donald Trump parody account, and someone's like, "The president follows okay, you." I was like, "This no, is no, going to no. be
1: terrible podcast or terrible radio." All right, but I'm going to go ahead and do this. Well, I I can just look it up on Twitter. I'll look. No, it up. just just tell me what this is.
0: Yeah, I guess Ellen does follow me. I am funny. Well, I mean, you know, I could see why she says follow me.
1: "hotshot Scott Soden" on Twitter, and she circled, followed by Mitch Levy. Ellen DeGeneres. Now, uh, is that true? Is no. that legit? I think it's a parody account, if I had to guess. There's oh. lots of parody
0: accounts out there.
1: But how do we know, th- how do we know that that's a parody account? And I-
0: Later okay. on, I'll scroll through all the people okay. that follow me, and I
1: will, okay. I will come, and I'll, I'll let you know. I've been waiting for this moment <laughs> to find out whether you've known this all along, and now you're hitting me with it's a parody. I account. think she's pissed, because you know, I brought some stories
0: up that you, you didn't didn't sure did. not paint her in a very good light. So. Yeah. Although I did download it. She didn't
1: it. need you. To paint her in a not very good light. Well, she did plenty on her own to, to paint herself in a not very good that's light. That's very true. But she does follow you on Twitter. That's great. I'm happy to hear it. All right. Let me know. <laughs> I'm around if you need me
0: for anything. Earl Thomas, not a great year for Earl Thomas. What in happened 2020.
3: now?
1: Uh,
0: according to court records, Nina Thomas put in the paperwork for divorce on November third, wow, citing adultery as the grounds for ending the marriage. Yeah, we all know what happened with that. We We're, all do.
1: He never he never got on with another team. He's not on. He's not in the NFL. I don't think yeah. he's in the NFL. There was some rumors that he was going to go to Dallas or Houston, one of the two. Dallas was somewhere up, in Texas. Yeah, and it didn't work out.
0: I don't know if he. They even brought him in. I, I mean, I, it looks like he's got enough yeah. in his life. Some turmoil. So, yeah.
1: well, I hope that whatever's going on in his world gets resolved
0: i do too because the the, there's problems they have three kids together and a court filing it said nina is asking for earl to only have limited access to the children until he quote takes a parenting course and to show evidence that he's able to care for kids during an extended period of time so i hope earl gets things together kind of a bummer to hear that
1: okay i got dogs we did dogs i did um, i'm good you know bubba watson you know that name
0: (laughs) not the uh, NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace to be confused with the real Bubba Uh, the real Bubba W Bubba Bubba Watson says golf is booming in popularity right now all because of COVID I don't know if you're familiar with that or not yeah yeah and it's so huge equipment companies can barely keep up with the demand it's all true you've heard that it's all true it's at an all-time high because of the virus there's more people playing the game more people
1: playing games yeah every course has gotten more play than they've ever gotten before yeah that's in what he says. Year. He yeah. says I'm not trying
0: to be insensitive, but just pointing out the facts. People are looking for safe activities to do during yep. the pandemic. Yep, and
1: it's if you're going to do anything, golf checks a lot of those boxes. It, you can stay. You can stay away from people, especially yep. where I hit it. That's Nobody <laughs> goes anywhere near there.
0: <laughs> He's also promoting the Golf Clash mobile game. Says even interest in golf video games is through the roof right now. So there you go. Your well, beloved golden golf. Golden
1: Tee. Well, you're really good, oh, I can't wait six to, or seven under. Oh,
0: I can't wait. Every year Forbes puts out the highest paid dead celebrity list. Do you ever take a look at the that? Hot, well, that would be right up your alley. Oh, you're a big RIP guy. That's why you think I'm bringing it up? I God, love it. You,
1: you've been on your phone since we started the podcast with Tommy Latorna's people. <laughs> oh, God,
0: <laughs> is it close? Is it close? <laughs> All right. Uh, so dead celebrities. You know how this works, right? No. So who? Once you die, of course, like people's estates continue to make money. Yes. So who, Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley is in the. Uh, top five he's number five with 23 million i bring it up really because michael jackson number one michael jackson 48 million dollars in
1: 2019
0: okay or 2020
1: i guess okay so kobe, i did it i got it i got it right
0: but kobe bryant made 20 million so far this year in 2020 which is why i brought up dr seuss number two the uh, peanuts creator charles schultz charles Schultz, sure yeah number yeah. three uh arnold palmer yeah is number four yeah 25 million dollars oh sure sure how golf
1: courses or what go to the supermarket and go look at iced tea yeah
0: i guess yeah you ever heard of an arnold palmer okay i thought he was named after the drink you thought yeah, yeah so is that right?
1: my, my son thought it was a carson palmer
0: <laughs> That's right. shows his age a little bit
1: <laughs> hey dad i know what you're doing you're making a carson palmer
0: it's another time to scare people about murder hornets although this is actually some good news because we found out that there were 200 queens in the nest right so we're like what well, You said there could be one in your driveway, for all you know. Sure. Well, Chris Looney from the Washington State Department of Agriculture, which is studying these things, tells us there's no particular reason to believe a lot of murder hornets got out of that nest, and even if they did, the majority of those queens are unlikely to start their own nests. So, few, you can sleep well tonight,
1: okay? I love the murder hornets.
0: Yeah, they are are kind of fascinating. I'm a big fan. All right. Phil Collins.
1: We're back to Phil Collins?
0: Well, I told you I had a story about him. Yeah, update. All right. He says his ex's accusation about him reeking like hell is a blatant lie <laughs> and a cheap attempt to smear my name to get millions of dollars. So, apparently, he
1: how does she smell. get? How does she parlay saying that he reeks and doesn't shower? How does she parlay that into millions of dollars? I
0: think it helps her divorce settlement a little bit. I don't know has a that reason works. as to know. why, like he was a bad guy. I didn't yeah. want. I didn't want to be around him.
1: I'm having trouble connecting the dots on how that could lead to her gaining more of his fortune because he didn't shower
0: yeah i mean it's not necessarily not showering but he's he doesn't take care of himself i didn't want to be around him that's why i want to divorce him yeah i mean it's not it's probably grasping at straws but just so you know he he said that's bull crap i do not smell (laughs) that's what he said it's all a bunch of nonsense
1: ask (laughs) philip bailey he says it's either lies or
0: gross exaggerations pointing out that much of it is contradicted by the fact that he says he's currently preparing to tour with genesis after the pandemic passes How about that? It's good for him. Can't play drums anymore, but he can at least go okay. sing. Okay. All right, real quick. RIP, Paul Horning.
1: Oh yeah, the Golden Boy,
0: which is in my world, in esports world, I used to be in the most popular caster in the whole thing. Is he calls himself Golden Boy? So I saw RIP Golden Boy on Twitter. I'm like, this guy's like 40. What happened to Golden Boy? No, no, no. I didn't realize there was actually another guy named Paul <laughs> Horning. Also, dude, you, ne- yeah, you boy. never heard that name before? No, Paul of course I've heard Notre oh, Dame and yeah, yeah, Packers oh, yeah. and all oh, that. Oh
1: yeah, 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 blonde hair. Like, good-looking, handsome, Very good-looking, very marketable. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, so the cause All was um, was dementia that he died of at a senior living facility. But I didn't know that he had a lawsuit against Riddell, the helmet people, for concussions. Oh, so he, yeah. so they're saying that maybe that. I mean, Induced, obviously, sure, those, head injuries. Man. What are those helmets like that they put on in? 1962? I don't even know that he. I don't
1: think he wore one. Right. I mean, <laughs> like exactly. Otley players. Yeah, he
0: won yeah. the 1956 Heisman with Notre Dame. He sure did. He could run, throw, pass, yes, catch, he was block. Amazing.
1: Vince Lombardi called him the greatest player he ever coached. Now that's saying something. That's something.
0: Yeah. He placed kicked and he punted and he returned kicks number five. I think yes. Played defense too. It's yeah. crazy. The golden boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't know that he, he was like the
1: face of the league for a while.
0: Yeah, but. Um, yeah, it was well
1: documented. That and he, then he
0: got into, was there, well, a, was there a gambling thing? Apparently, he liked the ladies. And like an, the ladies? Uh, an occasional adult beverage. Yeah.
1: And gambling. Yeah, I think he got in trouble for gambling.
0: Pete Rosell suspended him indefinitely in the spring of 1963 yeah. for gambling on yeah. pro football. By the way, who knew Pete Rosell was the commissioner in 1963? I, I think of him as like my childhood. He was there that long. Anyway. So anyway, um, anyway uh, he says he only bet on his own team to win. So that's how... Uh, While
1: he was playing, he was gambling. It was Pete Rose. Right. A little bit of Pete Rose. Well, Pete Rose wasn't gambling while he was playing. He was managing at the time.
0: He's in the Hall of Fame after being on the ballot 15 times because of the suspension, I think, probably. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. He would have been a first ballot Hall of Fame. 15
0: times for Paul Horn. I mean, I'm hearing he's the greatest player in the... He was great. Yeah. He was great. The golden boy. He was 84 years old. There you go. All right. I had the Kim Ng thing, but you did it. All right. Last one. You ready? Yeah. A Florida woman. (laughs) Again. (laughs) was arrested for threatening a teenage boy with a knife if he did not give her drugs in in exchange for adult favors. Shirley Ann Cook is charged with lewd or lascivious molestation of a person under 16, which is frowned upon in the state of Florida. I wasn't sure if it was, but it turns out in this story it is. The Gainesville police say the 49-year-old woman met the victim at an abandoned house where the teen told her he would give her drugs in hopes that she would then give him a tobacco cigar but then says he didn't actually have the drugs on him, and when she found out he didn't have the drugs on him, she threatened to, to cut off his weenus with a kitchen knife if he didn't give her drugs.
1: I'm assuming that she threatened, but she didn't do it.
0: Correct. She did not do it. I'm okay. I'm hoping a 16-year-old could get away from her. Okay. You know. okay. So, yeah. Um, even though the woman doesn't sound bright, how dumb is the kid for wanting only a cigar for drugs? That's kind of a bad it's a bad deal for him. Come on, man. You need a better agent. I'll help you out. Alright. I'm definitely getting old because when I hear adult favor, I picture leaves getting raked, the fence getting stained, or the weeds getting pulled. <laughs> like that's the kind of favor I
8: want. Come stain my fence, for
0: God's sakes. Alright, I hope the woman receives help and the teenager finds a better path. It's really a sad story no matter how you slice it. <laughs> Gainesville, Florida. Come for the drugs and adult favors. Stay for the threats of cutting off a teenager's weenus. That's our new state motto. It's a little wordy for a shirt, but, you know. And finally, this story sounds a lot like my interactions with females when I was 16 years old. Close, but no cigar. <sighs> there you go. All right, are we done? No, no Phil Collins stuff? I'll save it for my little special podcast. I might do. <laughs> <Your>
1: special podcast. <laughs> I am
0: fascinated by him, though. He has so many hits, this guy. Prodigious. You like him? Are you a Genesis guy?
1: That's yeah, mis- okay. Misunderstanding? Yeah, you like that yeah, song? Yeah, I know the songs. Yeah, yeah. I know the songs. I'd have to hear them, but I know the songs.
0: Land of Confusion. Tonight, tonight, tonight. You yeah, probably like yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, No
1: Son of Mine. Yeah, I can't date. I like Phil dance. Collins. Okay. I know yeah. what you're trying to get at him. Yeah, yeah I like good. Phil Collins. I
0: like him too. I just didn't realize what a beast Smell. he was. <laughs> well, Smell. no. He not reeks. A, be careful now. He'll come after you.
1: Episode 117, ladies and gentlemen, in the books.